Ladies and gentlemen, we, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Turn on that mic. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Monday, October 2nd, 2017, and we're coming to you with, with a very heavy heart, of course, the, in the, in the wake of the, uh, mass shooting incident that took place in Las Vegas. Yeah, uh, late last night, early this morning, East Coast time. It, uh, began about 10, 10 p.m. West Coast time local time and uh, about one o'clock in the morning on the east coast time i was notified of this about 35 minutes after one um and followed it since that time and uh as i said in my morning show i declined and uh to be on coast to coast at three o'clock this morning simply because at this time, and in this, I'd like to combine my opening statement or an opening statement with this speaking on behalf of not just myself, but uh, all of the crew. That includes uh, Joe, and that includes John Robertson, our program director and producer, Eric the Tech, Jackie, and of course everyone here at the Hagman Report Studios. Of course, our prayers go out to the people and their families who were victims of this. This unspeakable act of terror and that's exactly what it is terror um, it is by the grace of God that one of our own family members uh, did not attend this concert and um, we're actually we're scheduled to but uh, but nonetheless it, that does not lessen the impact from this <coughs> excuse me but here, here's what I would like to say and I think I speak on behalf of the entire Hagman Report team in saying this. Most people tend to lose their critical thinking skills in the wake of or response to a traumatic incident like this. We realize, given our positions, in reporting the news and bringing the news to you in our our capacity as investigative reporters and as investigators by profession in reporting to you that we've got a responsibility a very serious responsibility not to be first but to be correct with the information those people who are looking for Nuggets of information, whether it be on our, my, my personal Twitter feed or my Facebook page or even my, my own website or the Hagman report outside of the open source information will not find it. And there's a reason for that. The reiteration of the same open source information is pointless. It does nothing but confirms, reconfirms and help shape a narrative that may or may not be true. We aren't going to fall into a fallacy trap 
of repeating and re, and and re, re and uh, re, restating a predetermined narrative, if that's what this might be, or one that is shaped by by knee-jerk reactions, as opposed to analysis of the facts. We are collecting information from all available sources, open sources, and proprietary proprietary sources. And again, being first is not as important as being correct. You rely upon us to be correct, and that is what we intend to be. I began following, as I, as I mentioned, the reports at about 1.35 Eastern time this morning, which is about the time that, it's about 15 minutes following the first, after the, after the last shot, I suppose. And, uh, monitored here EMS channels for Las Vegas as well as Clark County. Now, I personally, and we collectively will have much more to say about this event in the days ahead. We as a team, as well as me personally. Now, what I can say with comfortable authority and experience is that the initial facts, even the facts that are given hours and and maybe even a day out, are often wrong. One of the things, however, that I believe strongly, given the days in which we live, the era in which we live, is that we must closely monitor the collateral consequences of the event, as close, if not closer, as the event itself. We have, we have private law enforcement sources, two to be exact, who are providing me with information. I've been act, I've been asked to hold the information until a specific time. It's not earth-shaking information. It's information that, that speaks to perhaps motive, intent, and also corrects some facts I'm, I'm or information that's being stated as fact out there in the mainstream media. By the way, I intend to honor those requests, both of them. I think that everyone will agree that something very big has changed in this country in the last 15 or 20 years, and even in the last 12 months. I believe that we are at the cusp of a of a war, the civil war, an era like no other. And I would urge everyone to maintain their critical thinking skills, to question everything that they hear and see. Do not make snap judgments. Do not be led by reflexive emotional responses to a traumatic incident. We will not, and I say that because you depend on us, and we intend to keep our mandate of accuracy and responsibility in reporting to you. And again, our hearts go out to the victims. And I personally don't believe that things are the way that they appear to be at this moment. At least you turn on any number of channels on the television, on the radio, and it's the same thing. Same information. And you have to ask yourself, 
You know, is this true? And if so, what does this mean in the larger sense? We have to look at the larger picture. And I mentioned my, my morning program because the response by, the response, the exploitation of this event will be severe. I guarantee you. And, and I talked about that. And I, I bring it to the guests that we've had on, courtesy of WorldNet Daily, WND, such as Charles Sasser, William Murray, David Capellian, who are looking at the larger picture on this, uh, of, of our direction, of this country. And uh, now, over the next couple of days and throughout the week, we will have people, in fact, even tonight, at the bottom of the second hour, we're going to have Federal, federal Firearms Instructor Keith Hansen, a friend of the show, a friend of ours, come on to talk about this incident, his view on things, his assessment on things. We'll have Jack Posobiec weigh in and others. But we are not going to be definitive in terms of our uh, findings until the investigation, until our investigation has been complete because again you depend on us for accuracy and you rely upon us for the truth wherever it might lead and that's my opening statement yeah it's been definitely was a <clears throat> a crazy evening and morning this today as we <clears throat> awoke to the news or uh before last night went to bed saw the news of what had happened at first, the incident appeared, um, I think one of the first reports that, that was out there was two dead, 27 injured. And then this morning, it continued to increase. The totals right now, 57, or sorry, 59 dead, 527 injured at Vegas concert. The man that they have said is the gunman, Stephen Paddock, has no criminal history. He lives just 80 miles northeast of Las Vegas, Nevada, in a retirement community at a home valued at $363,000. He's a retired a retired accountant. His brother was interviewed, who lives in Florida, and said that at last time he moved, uh, helped uh, Paddock move, that there were no machine guns, um, that, that he did not own any. But then again, you know, we don't know. We don't have the whole story. They're, they're saying that there's no political or religious motivations at this point. And there are more questions than answers here. We we just don't know what happened, and we can't jump to conclusions or speculate. As you said, Dad, it's just um, it's unfortunate that these things continue to happen. It has been a long time since we've seen a, a mass shooting. One of the last ones was at the Orlando Pulse nightclub in 49. June of 2016, where 49 were yeah. killed, 57 injured which then was what they say the the deadliest modern mass shooting. Now this, uh, from yesterday, has become the deadliest mass shooting in American history. And when they say deadliest mass shooting in American history, I believe they mean uh, somebody with a gun attacking a, an innocent crowd or a group of people. Um, because obviously well, well, we've to, had... Yeah, to take it in the context right. in which it was really intended, at least in that case. <laughs> no, I know. You know um, now there are some compare, and I will say this: there are some comparisons here to some historical events, which I find very interesting. The hundred-year anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution. That, and then there's the uh, Maiden Square uh, event, and some other things that that one can compare this to. But 
but again, following this for the last uh, how many hours? I don't know, however many hours. Almost it, 24. Okay. Um, it, and it's, it's, but, but, well, you know, I, I just, I just, and I see people talking. Well, there's two shooters. There's a shooter from the fourth floor. Look, look at this video. Look at that video. I, I, I understand all of this. My, my, my statement is this. Just calm down for a minute. All right. Because I understand. And, and Joe, there's, okay, I'll just come around and say this. I don't believe that we're getting, especially based on the information I've gotten from law enforcement sources, I don't believe we're getting the whole truth here. But that doesn't mean there, no. there's this massive right. conspiracy. It means that you've got to let the fog of the initial investigation clear and talk to people who know exactly what they're talking about before you make any definitive statements about a second shooter, about a shooter from the lower floors, about the muzzle flashes, about the you know where this came from, where that came from. The analysis has to be precise, especially when you're, for sure, if you weren't there, but when you're dealing with the sources that were there or are involved in the investigation, to protect them, we have to be very, very particular in what we report. And and you don't, and, and I'm tired, I'm so tired of this dominating the news, not because it's not newsworthy, but because the reiteration of what is what they believe to be the facts is nothing right. more than reinforcing a narrative that may or may not be true. Right. No, you're right. And whether there was one or two shooters or, you know, that's all that's yet to be seen. But one thing from the footage I watched is that the people who did not initially panic, um, for instance, there was a report of a man giving the finger to the general direction of where the shots were coming from. And then you had people pointing all up into the same area. So it looked like people on the ground had a, uh, a, a basic idea of where the shots were coming from and that they were coming from an elevated position. But this is the one story that really um, gets under my skin when we're talking about this. Uh, Las Vegas shooting. You're all going to die. Shock warning 45 minutes before the attack. Now, apparently, this was from his girlfriend, acquaintance. Well, now, no, see, again, this is okay. Not to... Not to no, not go to, ahead. But, we haven't talked but, all day but, but, uh, right. about this, so. But this, okay, his girlfriend, who has been identified mm-hmm. already, who left her, at first it was reported to be a, a player's club, a platinum player's club in, in the room of the hotel, and that's how she was identified so quickly, Mary Lou Danley, uh, the Asian, four foot eleven Asian woman yep. that they were looking for at the time of my, my morning show. Um, it, it, it was... It was thought that she was the one because she's Asian and she was the, 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 the onlookers there or the people that were witness that said there was a Hispanic woman. Mm-hmm. Until, look, until you are able to verify the authenticity of those statements through independent investigation, we have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, it's, however, however, now if you think back, compare, for example, Here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want to have happen. Remember the RFK assassination in the Ambassador Hotel. The the woman in the pink polka dot dress and the and the two, or the one specifically, the one woman sitting on the stairs when the woman in the polka dot or the couple, including the one in the polka dot dress, ran by that woman. The uh, witness had informed the police and was interviewed by the special unit senator. Uh, 
with the uh, Robert Kennedy assassination and was browbeat into into submission and into silence uh, based on, on her observations. One thing we want to do is we want to preserve the integrity of the evidence and verify the authenticity of the statements. So that's, again, because you depend on us to do that. Until we get that independently verified, all we can say is this is anecdotal evidence that's not been independently verified. But go ahead with that. Because on the many people no, right. don't know about the this. The article goes on to say there is no confirmation, uh, p- no confirmed police link to the eyewitness's claim, but uh, part of the claim is that she was with a man, not the person identified as the shooter, and was removed from the event by security after she was messing with people, pushing her way to the front, saying you were all going to die. So we might see subsequent reports coming out and saying, yes, um, you know, this did happen, and there was um, somebody who, who made these threats, you know, minutes before the shooting happened. Either way, uh, it doesn't change the fact that this is just a horrible tragedy. Right. And there will be more deaths attributed to this. Oh, yeah. There will be. The, the, and it's it, it amazes me as well. The This did not happen with extreme planning. There was a lot of planning that went in. That I can say for sure. And I spoke with uh, the one uh, police officer today. This was planned for a long time. Now, when I say a long time, what does that mean? Does that mean months and months, perhaps, but at least over the course of several days? And it was done uh, in the number of weapons, which I don't have a good handle on, um, because that crime scene was immediately, the room was immediately sealed off. Um, there's anywhere between 10 to 19 long, long weapons. There's talk of, um, a number of, uh, one thing for sure, just based on the, on the audio, is that this was an, uh, at least, at least one automatic weapon. Whether it yeah. was illegally obtained or modified, it was an automatic weapon. And you're looking at, I believe, 11 rounds per second, in, in, depending on the caliber, I think 7.62. By five three nine, and look- Keith will talk about this, right? Because uh, he's an expert in firearms, and that's one of the things about the videos that uh, many people. Uh, one of the reasons why many people are saying that there's two shooters is because not only from the gunfire from the automatic weapons, but from the echo that it created in the uh, area where the shooting took place. And people are saying just from the sounds of the, just from the sound of the shooting, it it sounds like more than one person is shooting at the time. It sounded almost like different calibers at different times, however. Now, that could just be, again, we need forensics. To the audio. Right. We need, we need, uh, you know, forensic technicians to go over the audio and, and, and to see exact, they can determine exactly what's going on in the audio better than any of us can sitting sure. here listening sure. to it. And, and yeah, yeah. But, but one thing I believe, it did not, it did not happen exactly or precisely the way they said it happened. Now, does that mean that there's this huge conspiracy? No, that means that initial information is often wrong. As simple as that. And, and you never go, and that's why I right. refuse to really talk about it until all of the facts, at least the open source information is in. Then we compare it to the proprietary information we have. I mean, look, as investigators, we have access to proprietary databases. We could we we could tell you all about Stephen Paddock. We could tell you all about the other individual that's named. We could tell you all about the Paddock family. We could tell you 
we've got that history. Let's let's watch to hear what comes out uh, from the and some. By the way, some of that doesn't make sense. I'll just flat out tell you. You look at you look at a series of documents that that we have access to. For example, as investigators, you you subscribe to. Uh, for example, as licensed investigators, you have access to once you're, once you, once I, uh, have been vetted, uh, I'm given access to a proprietary database that, that you, you don't find on the internet. For example, you can't sign up. It's not like Intellius or other, these other services on the internet where you can get people's information. This is deep stuff. It's not LexisNexis or anything like that. These are databases that are restricted to law enforcement investigators. But but my analysis of what I've seen doesn't make sense. There are a few bumps here and there, a few bumps on the information that, that tell me that there's just something not right with this. And isn't it interesting, and we're going to be talking about this in a larger sense as well, isn't it interesting, Joe, that many people look at this and say, you know what, there's no rhyme or reason for this. And how many times have we heard that? Yeah, no, no, uh a few things. Now we just got an email from Marine H. I want to thank you. Uh, I didn't. I did not get a chance to listen to Michael Savage today. If all the radio shows out there, he's somebody that I do like to listen to on a regular basis. But she sends this to us. She says, "Mr. Hagman, just wanted to pass on some info for whatever it may be worth." Was listening to Michael Savage today. A caller who was a veteran said he lived very near Mr. Paddock for many months found him to be very nice. They had beers together. There was never any talk or mention of any guns he had. The caller suggested, since the event seemed so out of character, maybe someone else in the hotel room at the time uh, killed Paddock, making it look like Paddock had done it. I realize there are countless details coming in right now, right. so just wanted to pass this along. And that's not the first time I heard that. Right. And then she goes on to say, uh, obviously. I also sent this to Steve Quayle and others. You both are amazing investigators. Thank you. So thank you, Maureen. Um, and no, I've heard, uh, theories as well. And we have a lot of emails. I mean, talk about a heavy email day. Uh, a lot of people uh-huh. not only posting stories. Uh, we have one listener of the show who just sent an email saying that, um, her family or one of her friends was present at the concert. He and his wife, they survived. They weren't hurt. They are Christians. And if we wanted to have them on the show, she offered contact info for them. Actually, we received a number of of people who were there and uh eyewitness to the event. Yes, and I mean it's a big event. I never heard of it before, but yeah, thirty thousand people attended roughly uh, over a three day period. Y- yeah, the, well, since over Friday, the, yeah, Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and and this is something we're going to be following up on, depending on the on the uh, merits of the information. Uh, you know, the the one thing that we're I I think that we are. We, we've had enough of is the description of the carnage there. I, I, we understand that. Yeah. Uh, I think we're, we need to, to get into the facts of this. And it's interesting from that, the, 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 uh, the military, the military officer who, who, who said that, hey, you know, this guy, he had beers with him. All right. So, uh, no indication of any religious or political ideology or motivation. And this rings true to a number of uh, a number of findings on the proprietary side that I've found. And, and you're going to find too. If you look, Joe, I don't know if you've seen this or not. You're going to see pictures out there or video out there. In fact, there's one where 
you know this guy worked for Lockheed Martin, right? NASA Lockheed Martin. Yeah, he was. Uh, he did work for NASA, the shooter, or Lockheed Martin uh, as a subcontractor for NASA. Okay, because they were separated. I, I saw a video where somebody right. points out him being at an anti-Trump yeah, right. rally in August wearing a pink NASA right. shirt. Okay, go ahead. All right, and, and I've seen that too. And the reason I bring this up is, again, can you say for sure that's him? No, no. It's interesting, however, that the uh, the shirt is is uh, reflective of his subcontractors. Uh, right. Uh, Position, but again, this is all information that before we come out and say, okay, this here, here's here's our findings, you've got to be very careful. Being first out is meaningless if you're not correct. And again, I, I think everyone wants the accurate information over the being the first one out with this, and it just it it kills me when I see people yeah, attempting to, to fall all over themselves to get the first first bit of information out. As a matter of fact, there's another Stephen Paddock that I'm. It's probably having a bad day because the, the the first out with the name got the wrong wrong person. Yeah. How would you like to be that that person? Yeah, that would be tough. That's just like uh, Sandy Hook with the brother Adam Lanza. They first said it was his brother um, who did the shooting. Come to find out, his brother was alive attending college in New York City, and uh, the they came out and identified the wrong person publicly <laughs> in that event too. Um, and just as, you know, we, we look back here, we only got a minute before the break, and then we're going to bring Keith Hansen on. We talked about, we mentioned the uh, Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting, the Omar Mateen, who had um, Muslim affiliation. Uh, the Scott Stevens, sh- uh, Scalise shooting, I'm sorry, Scalise shooting. I forget who the shooter was, but if you remember, he was a, a an older white man. But he had a history of violence, even with guns, discharging a weapon in a domestic dispute with his daughter, and had a history of violence uh, in other instances with his family as well. We're not seeing that in this case. And, um, again, without get, you know continuing to speculate on who, what, why, where, when, we're going to have to wait to see what facts do come out. Me, personally, um, I'm very... I'm very pessimistic that we'll ever find out the truth of a lot of these events from, that we see happen from the corporate media. Oh, absolutely, I guarantee yeah. you, we we are working to uncover the information you're not going to hear elsewhere. Go ahead. We will be right back after this short break, folks, with Keith Hansen, uh, radio show host, and so much more. And he will be joining us for the next segment. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to this Monday edition of the Hagman Report. Stay tuned. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of end-times fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. 
Extremely readable and fast-paced, Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniban Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniban Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Please be careful who you listen to, what you read, and what you uh, believe when you read it. That's that's our uh, that's our mantra, and we deal in facts at this point. We must deal in facts, especially given the the, the seriousness of the, the time, the time in which we live, the era. Everything has changed, and and again, you entrust us with that information. And if it seems like we are not uh, fast and furious with the information, that's for a reason. I, I think it's it's more important to be correct than first. And uh, again, the speculation is fine. We can we can talk about this. We can have a conversation about what's going on. But we have to look at the bigger picture, I believe. And the, what's the bigger picture here? Obviously, and as I mentioned this morning, you know, you take God out of out of the equation, and this drives the uh, this drives the the, the atheistic uh, communist crazy. Take God out of the equation; it changes the equation completely. And that's what we've seen happen over the last quarter of a century or longer, 50 years. And it's unfortunate, but that's a fact. The morality is is ripped to shreds. And, of course, we've got lawlessness. And then you've got the, politis, uh, the, the politicians making political hay out of this situation. Uh, the silencer uh, bill 
of course. You know, Hillary Clinton making reference to that. Of course, it's got nothing to do with this. You're going to see, you're going to see conservatives, small C conservatives, run like hell away from the situation and back away from bills that, that should be passed. But the one thing is, at the end of the day, I believe the end of the story here or the end of the, the what the intent here, or what's going to happen regardless of the intent of the individual whether or not it was Paddock alone, Paddock sit with someone else, or not even Paddock, who knows? The intent, I believe, is the exploitation of, of this and other events we have yet to see, and that is the shredding of our Constitution, our civil liberties, our rights, and, of course, our ability to own firearms. And, of course, once you take the Second Amendment away, all the other amendments don't mean a doggone thing. First Amendment is gone, and we were seeing the erosion of the First Amendment. I would urge everyone to look bigger, to think bigger, because the plans are much bigger. We're going to have Keith Hansen coming on momentarily, federal firearms instructor, and you know he's dubbed the voice of common sense conservatism in New Hampshire and Vermont, and syndicated elsewhere. Keith is the host of New England's Heritage FM morning show, a uh, morning talk show, First Look, and the Keith Hansen Show on Fox News affiliates. 99.7 FM WNTK and 98.9 FM and 1490 AM WUVR. Keith is an active entrepreneur and a business owner, a professional trainer in a wide variety of subjects and disciplines, certified life coach, and avid public speaker. By the way, he's a talented chef too. And he is, uh, he, he was the one who actually taught us, uh, Joe and I, and another individual who's since passed on, um, the uh, handling of firearms and and all about firearms. So it is with a distinct honor and a pleasure that we have to talk about this situation. Keith Hansen, Keith, welcome to the program tonight. Doug, great to uh, great to talk to you again. It's been quite a while, actually. I know, I know. And you you've just been growing and growing. What do you do? Like twenty five hours of radio a day. Uh, four hours a day now, so 20 hours a week. <laughs> 20 yeah. hours a week. It's amazing. Pretty busy. Yeah, you, you are. Well, l- let's open it up, uh, Keith. What's your assessment as to what happened, uh, here, what we saw? What's, what's going on? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think there's, I don't think there's anybody out there that wouldn't agree with me that the, that the world is just, I mean, it's, it's going upside down right now. Um, I think one of the biggest problems right now is that there's not a lot of information that's available out there. There's still a lot of speculation and conjecture. Uh, the most recent report from the Clark County Sheriff's Department, uh, 59 dead, 527 injured. I mean, that's just 527 injured and 59 dead. It's just, it's just unfathomable numbers. It's so hard to wrap your head around that type of, of carnage um, and how one person can be responsible for that. Um, it's just it's just mind-boggling, um, and, and you know there's there's not a lot that's known about this guy. This is what's really perplexing about this case. Usually, w- when there's a mass shooting, that uh, you know immediately there's you know everybody and their brother in the media is now searching for information. They're doing background checks. They're doing criminal background checks. They're scouring social media for anything. There's really not a lot of information about this guy. Um, even his social media profile is very limited. So there's not a lot of information that, that's available. And then, of course, because it's an ongoing active investigation, you've got the law enforcement agencies, federal, state, local agencies that are not releasing information, again, because it is an ongoing investigation. And so that just kind of fuels the speculation about you know, who is this guy and what was his motivation to do what he did. 
Very true, Keith, and that's uh, right on the money. The lack of actual information fuels speculation, and we see that speculation, especially with the Internet and all the different forums and comment sections, uh, runs rampant <laughs> all the time, and this is how, you know, uh, stories get away. Um, well, you, you know, Keith, you said something. Now, you've, you've been involved in, in uh, law enforcement. You know that there are proprietary databases out there not available to the public. I, I access one of those uh, databases, actually two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, for background on this gentleman, I've got that background information, comparing it to what's coming out in, in, in real life. And you're right. It's it, There's some holes here that um, i got to tell you, it makes me wonder what's what the real story is for motive, and who who is this guy? Um, yeah, you know. Well, well, you know, and there's you know there's there's stories now about whether or not he's um, you know his brother comes out and says he's a multimillionaire real estate developer. Um, you know, there have been unconfirmed sources coming out of Las Vegas saying that uh, um, he had placed some some pretty significant wagers over the past couple of days, whether or not he won or lost. Um, they're unable to tell. The bottom line is that this guy, since the 20th of September, has been holed up in this uh, this this two room suite on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay. Uh, resort and hotel in downtown Las Vegas, and he was very methodically planning this out. Um, there's there's no question about it. And um, you know, with the with the number of firearms that he had, uh, the law enforcement sources right now are putting it at 17 inside of the room, <clears throat> um, including a variety of calibers. Uh, that at least one of those firearms was uh, in in the the, the words of the uh, the reporting individual modified to be a fully automatic. Um, you know, whether or not that was, uh, it, most likely it was illegally modified. I mean, of course, there's step-by-step instructions that you can find on the Internet, on YouTube, things like that. So whether or not he did it or whether somebody else did it for him, um, you, you know, whether it was the use of perhaps one of those bump fire stocks that al- allows the natural recoil of a rifle to, to function in a quasi-fully automatic fashion, you know, a lot of this information still is not known um, at this point in time. What his motivations were, whether or not he was, uh, you know, he was motivated by by, by political rhetoric. Uh, you know, of course, ISIS coming out and saying uh, not once but twice that um, they were claiming responsibility for him. Um, you know, so again, there's there's a lot of there's a I don't want to say a lot of misinformation, but there's just a lot of lack of information right now that. Um, you know, is normally by this time we would have known a lot more about the shooter. I mean, that's that's typically what happens as as the investigation progresses. Um, you know, thinking about the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, uh, within 12 hours, I mean, we pretty much knew everything about the individuals. And I'm not about to mention names just because I'm of the belief that we don't give them the honor and the dignity uh, of mentioning their names. So, but the um, the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooter, I mean, we know pretty much everything about him. Uh, within 12 hours of 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 the uh, the scene being cleared. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And um, Keith, I want to ask you this. You know about the logistics. You mentioned, I think you said 17 uh, weapons in the room, which obviously just is... to be clear, uh, I saw reports of 10. Yep, I saw reports 13. of 19. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and I got to tell you, all throughout the night, that number changed dramatically. But go mm-hmm. ahead, go ahead. Sure. Well, my my question is, um, you being a firearms expert, uh, and we'll say this this man was planning this out for you know a long period of time, whether it's days, weeks, or months. 
Would there be? Doesn't the is the thirty second floor you know three hundred plus feet above? Um, is is that? I'm sorry, yards. Is that what you said, Dan? Three hundred yards. Well, it's three hundred ninety three point or three hundred sixty three point nine yards from the from that floor to the closest. Uh, that we know. And, and Keith, I was able to verify this for one law enforcement officer that I, this I can say. It was, uh, ballistics show that was 363.9 or 7. I'm not sure which. I don't have the note mm-hmm. in front of me here. From the window to the closest victim. So in essence, three and a half football fields. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, my question would be, wouldn't there be, um, I mean, doesn't that seem a little extreme as far as distance? Uh, for what he was trying to accomplish, if he was trying to accomplish it, you know, just a mass kill type scenario. No, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty realistic distance, and given the fact that he wasn't, uh, we're, we're not talking about precision rifle work here. We're talking about a crowd of, I mean, there were estimates that there were thirty thousand people yeah. in attendance at that concert. So, I mean, really, it's, you know, I've heard the expression more than once, and it's crude, but it, it certainly, I think, is an effective metaphor. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, where you're not using any type of precision. It's just you're spraying, you're dumping tremendous amounts of, 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 of ammunition in one general direction. And just given the density of people, the, you know, people, you know, basically per square meter, when you look at it in terms of, of crowd control, you know, you're, you're pretty much guaranteed to hit somebody. And I think that's why the, the casualty count was as high as it was. Not to mention that uh, just the tactical advantage from from shooting from an elevated position like that, um, you know, I, I hate to give a dirtbag credit, but he really did have every tactical advantage um, given that height. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that that height was calculated uh, extremely with extreme precision. No, you know, and when you when you look at the history of, of active shooter events in this country, typically it's a person, it's an armed gunman, who is walking into a densely populated area. I mean, and and let's let's first let's establish. I mean, what is an active shooter? We have shootings in this country <clears throat> every day. You know, somebody walks in. We had up up in, uh, in in New Hampshire here. We had what was originally uh, relayed as an active shooter at Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center. Uh, the report came in that there was an active shooter. Individual walks in 12:15 in the afternoon, checks into the security station, signs in, and then goes upstairs to the fourth floor to the intensive care unit, pulls out a handgun, and executes his mother uh, as she's laying in a bed in the intensive care unit. Now that was not an active shooter situation in the classic definition of the phrase. Now normally, you know, that that would it really was a domestic violence homicide. What is an active shooter situation? It's a person where it's a, it's a situation where an individual is randomly and indiscriminately shooting with with no pattern, with no discernible pattern. But the key is with unrestricted access to additional victims. And so when you look at what happens, typically you have the gunman that walks into a densely populated area, whether it's a school and, and generally it's a confined area. So it's a school, it's a movie theater, um, it's a church, it's some other type of densely populated area. And then the person, the gunman, <clears throat> the gunman pulls out a firearm and then begins shooting. And as time progresses, you start to see a, a, a proportionate drop in the number of deaths that are occurring because as this person is shooting, of course, people are scrambling. This is really a paradigm shift here because really with the exception of Charles Whitman at the University of Texas campus in the, you know, the, 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 the clock tower, 
We don't see a lot of situations where you have a gunman that is taking an elevated position like that. We've had a couple, the Discovery Channel uh, hostage uh, standoff that took place back in 2010 in California, but that really wasn't an active shooter situation. It was more of a hostage standoff situation. Eyewitness reports coming out of uh, out of Las Vegas, it was very confusing because not only did they not know where the shots were coming from, but because the percussion was echoing off of the you know the mirrored glass buildings that were down there. There were preliminary reports of as many as three to five shooters because of all the echoing. So it was extremely chaotic, and not to mention too the shots coming from an elevated position. Many people thought you know this was either a pyrotechnics display or a, a fireworks display that was part of the show, given the fact that this took place during the very last song and the closing night of this music festival. Interesting. I- interesting from the point of your analysis and the information you provided. By the way, Charles Whitman, and I find this very interesting, um, what you mentioned him, and I think that a lot, and of course, the, the uh, uh, Texas shooting, Charles Whitman, it was August 1st of 1966, I believe, right? Uh, I could be wrong, but it was August. In fact, the, the, uh, the 17th or 18th victim of that shooting died in 2001. From injuries sustained in that in that murder, but he was that that whole scenario was responsible for the creation of what is now known as the SWAT teams. Is mm-hmm. is, is that I mean from is that, that's your understanding, right? I mean that's uh, yeah, no, that's that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, but but yeah, to, uh, I think that was twenty eight floors up or from the observatory uh, at Texas uh, University in Austin. But anyway, um, well, yeah, what you said I think is. is is a very good analysis from your law enforcement, your investigative perspective. Now, what should we be looking for in the next, in the upcoming days and weeks and months ahead here with respect to this incident here? What are you looking, what are you looking for? Well, I mean, for me personally, I'm looking for, I'd like to see some indication of, of what the individual's motives were behind this. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if you caught the uh, the news report or not. A senior vice president from CBS Broadcasting was actually terminated uh, because of a social media statement that she put out saying she had no sympathy for the people that were killed in Las Vegas because they were most likely Republicans. Um, so you're seeing the politicization of this. You're seeing the divisive rhetoric, you know, the, the, along the party lines. Um, you know, to be honest with you, my first thought when I heard about this was, geez, I wonder if this is one of these unhinged Bernie bros, um, similar to the, uh, the the Stephen Scalise shooting. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see as 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 this progresses and as more details are released about what was found in the multiple properties that this individual owned that are are either have been searched or in the process of being searched. Really trying to get an indication of what's the motivation here, what would lead somebody to do this. Um, you know, typically when somebody engages in this, they're, they're either looking for revenge, they're looking to make a name for themselves, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of at a point where they feel like there's, there's no other hope in their life, they're going to go out with a bang, they're going to take a bunch of people with them. You know, I would be concerned about copycats, certainly, um, and I would also be very interested to find out exactly what were the types of weapons that were used, what types of modifications uh, that had been made to those weapons. Now, you know, of course, Everybody talking about automatic firearms, and I think it's important to note that, you know, those are heavily regulated. Um, you know, it is legal for private citizens to possess fully automatic weapons. But that being said, 
they are heavily regulated by the ATF. So if this was a fully automatic weapon that had been lawfully possessed by the shooter, I would imagine by this point the ATF would have come out and said, you know, that this is an individual that had what are called Class III or NFA-registered firearms in his name. Now, these typically start at about $15,000 apiece and go up. So I find it highly unlikely that he was using an automatic Class III NFA-registered firearm that was lawfully purchased. I think probably the path of least resistance would say it was a semi-automatic weapon that had been unlawfully or illegally converted to shoot automatic or was utilizing an aftermarket type of accessory like a bump stock that would allow him to rapid-fire those rounds. Yeah, yeah. And how many rounds do you – I mean, I know this calls for speculation, but my goodness, how many rounds do you think were fired downrange in this case? Well, I mean, by all estimates, the shooting lasted about seven minutes. So, I mean, it's entirely possible, given the number of wounded, the number of dead, that he could have expended easily between 700 to 800 rounds in that short period of time. And there's some weight there to that ammunition, bringing that into a hotel room, and some bulk, of course, right? Well, I mean, theoretically, no. The report is that they also found ammonium nitrate in his vehicle. So he had materials in his car. You know, I mean, given the fact that he had been there for four days, it's not unlikely that he had the materials stored in his car, the weapons, the ammunition. And then as he got closer to the point where he had decided he was going to perpetrate this act to start shuttling that information, and I know that the FBI right now, along with members of the Las Vegas Metro Police Department and the Clark County Sheriff's Department, are reviewing the Mandalay Bay surveillance cameras to determine exactly what the methodology was that he used to transition those items from his vehicle or wherever else he happened to be storing those to his room on the 32nd floor. You know, and you had said something to me off air, which I think is important. And by the way, Las Vegas hotels, there is surveillance everywhere. Every square inch of the hotel, you know, with the exception of the private rooms, is under surveillance. So but you had said something to me earlier that you had information that the shooter had set up basically his own surveillance system. There were reports that there were video cameras that were placed in the hallways close to the elevators, so that way there he was able to see when law enforcement was coming down. And he did what a vast majority of active shooters do, which is when they know that they're about to be apprehended, that they self-terminate. And that appears to be exactly what happened there. Got it. Okay. Again, I mean, it's speculation based on all of the information, the limited information that exists out there. Now, I mean, as the information becomes available, the after-action reviews, the after-action reports that are going to be filed by the multitude of agencies that had a hand in the investigation and the cleanup on this, some of those are going to become available to the public, some of those are going to become available to the media, and then certainly some of those which would not be released to the media or to the public would be available to the training consortiums that help to modify and adapt 
the current uh, counterterrorism tactics and active shooter response training protocols for law enforcement because all of these now become valuable teaching aids. What went right, what went wrong, what needs to be corrected, um, and, and, and what can we do in the event that something like this happens in the future? How can we train officers to better respond to this? And again, you know, most of the time when we're training law enforcement officers in, in active shooter and, and counterterrorism tactics, we tend to be looking at it from, again, the, the, the terrorist or the active shooter, the active killer. It doesn't have to be, have to be an active shooter now. It's, you know, there's, there's knives that are available. There's box trucks that are available. I mean, people are using pretty much whatever they need to do to try to inflict carnage on other people. That being said, I think, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're always training from the protocol that the individual is inside this confined area. They're inside the school or the movie theater or the shopping center or the church, and then the individual begins to kill people using aggressive deadly force. And so how do we, how do we mitigate that? Um, and again, this is really a game changer because this is something that we haven't seen a lot of historically. Um, but I mean, think about this from, uh, you know, really from any place where there's a, 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 look at the majority of your sporting venues, you know, where you'll put 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 people, um, inside of a baseball stadium or inside of a football stadium. And oftentimes you have hotels around there. Um, and so what's the likelihood? This is what my concern really is, Doug, is, is, is what's the likelihood for a copycat? What's the likelihood that some unhinged person out there is going to go, hey, wow, he did a good job. Now, this is in my words. I mean, I'm just, you know, hypothetically saying what would be potentially going through the minds of a, a person who's unhinged. Wow, this person did a really good job. I can do better. And now they're going to go out and try to raise that bar. Yeah, that's a very um, that's a very frightening scenario, Keith. We only have about uh, two and a half minutes left before the end of the segment. And you're and Keith is coming back with us and spend some time with us. Yeah, I hope time. so. Absolutely, Keith. I want to yeah, ask you this: well, the scenario you described, the copycat or another uh, shooter who decides to take on a venue, a large venue of people. What would you recommend mm-hmm. to to people who find themselves in a situation where there is an active shooter in a situation like this? You know, it's, um, it, it, it's a, it's a really interesting question because we, we've actually recently just started to deliver armed citizen response to active shooter training programs. Um, you know, I, I think by and large the, the, the standard response protocol is, is a run hide fight. First and foremost, if you have the ability to get away, get away. Um, if you have the ability to run away and you can do so safely, do it. If you have the ability to, to hide, and and to um, uh, you know to to, to get down. What I, I I'm, I'm not going to tell a person you know if you're armed if you're carrying a concealed weapon. Um, I, I'm not going to tell you to pull your gun out and go running towards the threat because first responders are not going to know who you are. And if they're responding to shot, reports of shots fired and an active killing and they find you know Joe Citizen running around with a gun, it's probably not going to end well for that person. They don't know who you are. They just know that you have a firearm. But if you happen to be in a location, if you happen to be armed, lawfully carrying a firearm, and you happen to be in a situation where in that immediate vicinity uh, you have active killing going on, then you have a decision to make. And I think one of the biggest things, and of course, you know, Doug and Joe, both of you having trained with me, you know, you know how we put an emphasis on precision. Um, are you going to be effective in that situation, or are you going to create more of a safety concern? That's really up to the individual. I mean, it's a tough call because there's, there is no correct answer 
given the fact that the circumstances can be so different from case to case to case. It really is on a case-by-case basis. You really have to know what your competency level is, and then you really have to be able to, as quickly as you can, make an assessment and determine what's going to be the best course of action for myself and my loved ones. Do I do I run, do I hide, or do I fight back? And that's you know something that ultimately the individual has to make that choice, and the individual has to live with the consequences of the choices that they've made. Key, thank you so much for your analysis. How about you tell our audience where they can, where and when they can find you and listen to you? Well, if they'd like to, uh, they can certainly stream me. We're uh, online uh, Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. It's uh, First Look with Keith Hansen from 6 a.m. until 9 a.m., uh, and that's followed by the Keith Hansen Show, which is an hour of uh, national political analysis and commentary. Um, WNTK.com is probably the best place to do it. You can stream it online at WNTK.com. That's Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's where I get mine. I got to tell you, it, and the flawless pop-up streaming player, uh, flawless. Keith, I, I want to thank you so much for your expertise, for your analysis. And by the way, thanks for teaching us the proper handling of, of a firearm. We really appreciate well, that in precision. Doug and Joe, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know it's been a while, but uh, we'll have to do this again. It was fun. All right. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll Thanks, do it guys. again. God bless. All right. God Bye-bye. bless you too, Keith. That was Keith Hansen. Uh, a, a man, I'll tell you what, a, a guy I would trust with his analysis, I would trust his analysis more, uh, over many, 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 many others. I mean, just think about this. He taught my dad how to use and shoot a gun in under four hours. So he's got to be good. Folks, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Wow. <laughs> Greenovative. Go to agmanreport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable, it's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces, it's durable, it's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an ammo can. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. And welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. You know, it's such a heavy news day. Let me give you something to smile about, and and that is the being the recipient of fresh, beautiful flowers. Here's what I do. Proflowers.com. And, and my wife loves me for it. Uh, Proflowers.com. In fact, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the, the beautiful flower arrangements from Pro Flowers. More on that later. Have we got a special offer for you specific to the Hagman Report audience, but proflowers.com. But this is a heavy news day. This has been, you think about what's happened over the last several months, several years. You've got this heaviness in the air. Some call it a dirtiness in the air. And I think our next guest, um, who's a fantastic writer, Carl Payne, WND, Superstore, WND. Um, I would, I would highly advise get, grabbing a hold of his books at the WND Superstore. Carl Payne, K-A-R-L, Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. The reason being is we are fighting elements not on just a practical earthly ground level. I believe that what we're seeing here is the rending of our entire Judeo-Christian ethic or Christian ethic background heritage belief system. Christians today are under full assault. We as Christians are under full assault. And our next guest is going to talk about the larger issue. Because the, against the backdrop of the the dead in Vegas and, and the and the hurt wounded in Las Vegas. Against that backdrop and against the bar- backdrop of the mass shootings elsewhere. And of course the world in turmoil. The hurricanes. And, and you might think, well hurricanes happen. Yeah, they do. They do. But look at the devastation. Look at the destruction. And sit back. Just think for a moment and compare today versus 1975. 1975, for example. Okay? Well, I just picked that year out of a hat. But, but think about how much has changed since then. What, uh, 40 some years? Or, or even 2000. 
you can see how much has changed, and not for the better. So we obviously, there's something more to what's going on than just the analysis of ballistics and the analysis and, and the uh, profile of perpetrators and, and the events, the mass casualty events. There's something much deeper at play, and our next guest is going to address that. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you to bring our next guest in. Yes, our next guest is a WND author. Again, folks, go to WND Superstore, use promo code Hagman, and then there's the secondary promo code for everything else aside from books, Hagman 10, which gets you 10% off there. We have with us author Carl Payne, author of Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. Now, there, interestingly enough, there are uh, two copies of this book I have, and Carl, I don't know, um, I know we haven't, we haven't talked before, but I think in 2012, I received this book in the mail, Spiritual Warfare, uh, by Dr. Carl Payne. And inside of it, it has the date 12-18-12. It says, God bless, and, and you autographed it, and you put in uh, the Luke chapter 10, verse 18. And um, I read this book. I got it marked up, highlighted, and I absolutely love this book. And then today in the studio, I knew there was another book that we had of yours in here. So I went and I found it, and it was the same book, just a different cover. Um but I just wanted to say that I thought it was so interesting that back in 2012, you sent us this book, and I got so much out of this book back then, and it's been a while since I read it. I'm going to read it again, specifically because I, I highlighted more than half the book in here. But I, <coughs> I just wanted to say thank you so much for sending this book. And, um, you know, this this was a, a huge influence to me as I uh, continued on my Christian walk, especially back at the uh, early stages of the show, The Hagman Report. So thank you so much for that, and welcome to the show. Oh, Joe, thank you. And uh, what a privilege. I mean that. Uh, not only to, to get a chance to send a book, but to find out somebody on the receiving end read it and enjoyed it. That makes it even better for me. So I uh, I wrote that book because I wanted something that would be transferable. I mean, my my I've been in ministry for 40 years vocationally and uh I've I mean I will say in our church if it's not transferable I don't care that's enti- not entirely true but you know I I really want uh material to be something that if I can do it you can do it and when I uh, basically was stumbled into and I won't say I stumbled into it I'll just say I, I was stumbled into the whole thing about spiritual warfare uh, as I said in that book, uh, Joe, it was a topic that Bible school that I went to and seminary I went to, and, and uh, it was just besmirched. I mean, it was ridiculed. It was mm-hmm. it was something that was relegated to, you know, people that either are real, real feelings-oriented but don't read their Bible or drama kings and drama queens that are trying to find ways to get attention or possibly people that are just mentally ill and, and don't know how to cope with life or Christian people in particular that are looking for an excuse to blame something other than themselves. I mean, there are lots of excuses, but what we were never trained to do was how to identify uh, what is real and what isn't about spiritual warfare. And and I know that for many of my colleagues, because we've talked, uh, it was the same and I know on a positive side, at least I believe it's positive, many of those same graduate schools have been inviting me back saying, you know, we laughed at this. Uh, uh, when you were here, we would really like some input. So it, it was just a subject that we were taught to kind of ignore. 
ridicule at worst, ignore at best. And, and as a pastor, when you find out you're not dealing with something that is physiologically oriented or mentally oriented, and those are real. I mean, I try and make it very clear. I don't believe everything is the flesh. Uh, I'm an ordained Baptist, conservative Baptist minister, and our school would have been, uh, or our circle of thinking, blame everything on the flesh, and if ever it gets outside of that, well, your hands are still plenty full with the flesh, so just don't don't waste your time going outside of that. I speak in other theological circles or traditions where they want me to talk all day and all night about demons, and I've just said everything is not demonic. Everything is not the flesh. Everything is not from the world. Everything is not physiological. Everything is not sociological. Uh, every, everything is not supernatural. And it's trying to learn how to recognize the difference so that you can respond. As I said in that book, I want people to win more battles than they lose. And there were too many of them like me where I didn't have a clue. Just not a clue. It was a missionary yeah. that had been 60 years uh, 30 years overseas. He worked with Ruth Graham Bell's parents, I said in the book. His last name was Birch, George and Grace Birch. One, they're, they're with the Lord now, but they spent, uh, they were, they were with uh, Mao in 48, uh, kicked him out of China and went to Indonesia for 18 more years and spent 30 more years in White Rock, BC, up north by close to where I live, an hour from me. And uh, he said to me one day, son, what do they teach you about spiritual warfare at seminary these days? And I said, nothing. We ignore it. And uh, he said, son, you've got an education. You need an education. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it was something I wasn't expecting, an education in that arena. But uh, I'm taking too long to say, Joe, when I decided uh, that the Lord was finally nudging me to start doing some writing, and that was years and years after I'd been working with this because I just thought it would look like just trying to be sensational, you know, whatever, and I don't, I don't appreciate that. But uh, that, that, that manuscript sat in my file for over 10 years after I'd completed it. I just, I, uh, I was told I might have cancer and that I might be living less than two years, and I remember praying, Lord, if that's the case, what do I wish I'd have got done that I haven't got done? And, and one of the things I thought was get that book out. So, I put that on kind of a high priority, and it ended up I didn't have the cancer originally they thought I had. So, uh, but it was, in other words, it wasn't something that I was trying to promote or push. I probably tried to ignore it, like a lot of folks my generation, I guess you would say. Uh, but the, it's real. And so I tried to write it in such a way that I just go, you don't need me. You don't need umbilical cords stuck to me, to you. Uh, the same God that lives in me lives in you. It's just getting a little bit of an understanding of how this whole thing works, how the demonic thing works, and then learning how to fight instead of run, learning how to stand up instead of roll over. And, uh, yeah. you know, from the intro, the intro that I heard, I would just make one more comment, then I'll come up for air. Uh, I mean, the whole thing with, with Satanism, occultism, demonism, it is so much more blatant. You know, said, you said, pick, you know, 1975, or maybe that was Doug. My goodness, just in the last decade even, you can't turn on the TV and not see this stuff. And, and then we kind of wonder, why are people acting more bizarre? Uh, you know, why do they not value life? I say because they watch people get killed on videos all day long and on TV programs all day long, and they glamorize that kind of stuff. And no one's got the guts, including many of our parents, because, guys, we don't want our kids to feel left out, especially if they're Christians. Wouldn't want them to feel odd, so let them watch this nonsense. And, uh, you know, I, I still believe that... Uh, 
you know, as a man thinks in his mind, you know, Proverbs 23, so is he. The things I think about are the things I end up sooner or later thinking are more reasonable. And I, yes, I think there's a, a, a real strong correlation between the, the explosion of celebrating the occult and demonism and Satanism and that kind of stuff and people that are, do they have morals? Uh, you know, you would say, well, narcissistically, they have their own, you know, or sociopathically. I do what I want to do. And uh, it can't all be blamed on demons, Joe. But, man, there's a good part of it just going, we've opened the door to this, and we just kind of amused with it, I guess. I'm not amused. The no, people that I know that work with it aren't amused. No, Carlin, let me ask you this, because you just alluded to this. Uh you you said you went to a seminary, and, and my father was at a seminary. I went to a Catholic school for a few years, was raised in the church. Why is it that, and maybe it's because of this age of, of technology and modernism that we live in, but it seems like all throughout history, and even back to the times of the Bible, throughout the New Testament, even through the, the, the medieval times, that there was a, a much higher priority uh, on the spiritual aspect of things. And I guess I can put it in an example like this. Today in modern science and medicine, we see things, um, you know, psychiatric disorders, diagnosed schizophrenia, this and that. We're back in in the days we saw that these a lot of times were linked to um, spiritually uh, spiritual oppression. Um, how come we've seen this shift away from you know the the spiritual mindset and everything is trying to be explained away by uh, scientific and earthly reasoning? Great question. I'll take it in two parts, and if I forget, hopefully you can remind me. That's okay. a great question, man. I would say, number one, because uh, the majority of people today in North America, now this is not true globally, and sometimes we seem to think because we champion something in North America, that means everybody champions it. That's not true. But we are primarily naturalists. Uh, I remember I my eighth grade science teacher. I remember I wasn't a Christian. I didn't become a Christian early. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My dad was an academic. My dad taught evolutionary biology and geology, most of the ologies. Uh, I mean, I was, I, I knew the monkey man chart before I could read because my dad would have the, you know, the pictures laid out for me as a kid. I was born in Nebraska, so I particularly liked Nebraska man. Real disappointed to find out, you know, the Nebraska man had been extracted from one tooth of an extinct pig, you know, kind of disappointing. There goes Mr. and Mrs. Nebraska man. But I think that when you live in a world where you are told essentially if we're, we're empiricists, we're rationalists, if you can't put it in a tube and, uh, and test it through the senses, it's not real, it's not meaningful. Then when you start talking about anything supernatural or, or paranormal, uh, whether it's God or Satan or demons or angels, they just roll the eyes. I remember my eighth grade teacher, one of the, uh, one of the students said, what do you think of Christianity? This is just a regular eighth grade school I was in. And I still remember my teacher and I really liked him because he was a Marine. He'd just come back from Korea. Uh, you know, he'd serve there, and I was, oh boy, I thought he was the greatest. And he said, Christians are mental cripples who need a crutch to get by in life. And he said, I don't need one. And then when I was in 11th grade, my physiology teacher, Dr. Newbin, I still remember him in Sacramento, someone said, what do you think of Christianity? And he said, intelligent people believe in neo-Darwinism. And I thought, well, I don't want to be thought to be unintelligent. So when someone would say, what do you believe? I'd say, well, I believe in neo-Darwinism. And what do you think about religion? Well, it's for mental cripples. 
And not because I knew anything about it, but because people I had respected had said that. And if you grow up with generation after generation after generation through our school system, which we are, who, and this is going to sound harsh, but I think the majority of them are not dealing with education. They're dealing with indoctrination. And I think the majority of them are indoctrinating people into spiritism on one hand, which is an oddity for people that don't believe it, but that's become popular. Naturalism on the other side, where it's just all, you know, a bunch of hocus pocus. So if somebody said, why why do we see more and more people, uh, you know, that don't want to deal with it? Well, when you've been trained to believe that if you can't test it in a test tube, it's not real, then you just feel sorry for the people. You just go, well, it's kind of pitiful. Uh, I, I remember when I had people tell me, you know, you're a bright guy, you had such potential, and you got involved in religion. I mean, the whole assumption was, gosh, you've thrown your life away. You, you know, uh, Mr. Payne, uh uh, it was interesting to see the reaction of the atheist communist uh, people um, to the uh, remarks by President Donald Trump today where he invoked the name of God a number of times and uh, asked for prayer a number of times at 10.30 this morning, 10.45 this morning at, at the first news conference. And to, to see the... Uh, demonization of Christians, of, of Bible believers, of people who believe in God, to me, when, when I saw the reaction, when I saw it, it was demonic in and of itself, exactly what you have written about, spoke about, and it's unfortunate um, where we find ourselves through the indoctrination that you spoke about. Yeah. Now, Joe, when I hear about the uh, tolerance that, uh, you know, as champion, I have said that the tolerance has replaced truth as the uh, golden rule. And uh, I really believe in the secular society. Uh, that's in the public square. That's true. But I also think it's kind of ironic how thin-skinned and pseudo-tolerant that tolerance is. Uh, I, I could tell people I've come out of the closet that I'm I'm supporting all kinds of uh, different suppositions, and people would say, "Well, you know, good for you. You know, you've got the courage to stand up, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But you tell them. I love Jesus Christ, and I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe Jesus is not a way, it's the way, and I believe, I believe the Bible is inspired by God. I mean, you bigot. I mean, you are a narrow-minded bigot, and I'm going to hold it, hold it. I thought this whole thing about pluralism is supposed to work for everybody. I thought that, uh, you know, you have the right to uh, your opinion, and I'm to be respectful of you. Why in the world aren't you respectful of my thoughts? Uh, we, we met, our church met for many years in a school, and I got to read, uh, you know, <laughs> every week when we go in, you know, the different signs about who are the people that are downtrodden, etc. And I thought, try being a Christian and see how that works. Try telling people in most public situations that you love Jesus, and you'll hear something like this, because I get it from our congregation. You know, if you want to move up the ladder, just drop the religious stuff. You know, you can be religious and private if you want, but they'll think you're narrow. They'll think you're one of those fundamentalists. They'll lump you in with uh, with uh, radical Muslims or something. I'm going, oh, yeah, you, you just hear about Christians beheading people all the time, don't you? Well, you know, just ever there's there's bad apples. And I go, listen, some people do it by design. I read nowhere in my New Testament that Jesus says, go out and kill people and behead them for me. I never read that. I see where I'm supposed to love my enemies and pray for those that despitefully use me. 
So when people try and say, well, because people do stupid things in the name of religion that we're all kind of equally damned or contemptible, I just go, you know, open your eyes. Or where did the hospitals come from? Where did so much of the medicine come from? Where did so much of the education system come from? Graduate schools, they started because people wanted to be educated, and they started primarily in many instances because Christian people wanted to treat their neighbor the way they wanted to be treated. But that's not the world yeah. I live in. The world I live in, kids don't know historicity. If you try and, you know, I'll, I'll go in to speak at a conference and I'll have someone say, no, you can't talk about this, can't talk about this, can't talk about this, can't talk about this. I go, what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> well, we, we want people to think that we're happy, you know, that we're never negative. We just talk about positive things. I say, well, Really? I mean, that's uh, what are you afraid of? Why are you so afraid? Yeah. You're you're so afraid, and and, I, and I've I've thought this way, Joe, and I'm call me cynical on this. I'm not a cynic. I'm usually a pretty positive guy, but I've said, listen, Jesus Christ was perfect. He did everything perfectly, and they crucified him. You're not going to do things perfectly, but you still think you can please everyone. If the one who was perfect couldn't make everybody happy by, you know, going with the flow, what makes you think you're going to pull that off? Wouldn't it be better to just stand up for what's true? Be gracious about it. When I talk about the demonic, I mean, I speak, uh, uh, again, schools, conferences, and stuff, I'll have some people where I come in, they're going, listen, we're with you. We we just need to know more about this because we see it around us and it seems to be growing. I, I'll go into others where they'll tell me, you know, right up front, listen, you've got some people that don't believe there's a biblical basis for this. They think, uh, you know, you ought to be on TV at 3 o'clock in the morning selling hankies and have miracles if you really think that something like this is real. Uh, and, I mean, there's just so many stereotypes. And I'm just going, why don't we just get back to the book? Jesus wasn't ashamed of the subject. The apostles weren't ashamed of the subject. Old New Testament isn't embarrassed of the subject. How about if the Bible speaks clearly, you stand on it. If the Bible speaks ambiguously, then I'll say, listen, there's there's people with different thoughts on A, B, and C, and I can give you what I think is a real good reason for why I think I'm right on what I'm saying, but there are good people that disagree. But where in the world do you see people in the New Testament saying, listen, this whole demonic stuff, run from it? <laughs> one of the reasons, I'll give you one more shot on it. People say, why do they run from it? I think it's fear of association. I think because there's been hucksters out there, and there have been, but that hasn't been uh, relegated to just religious leaders. I mean, there's all kinds of hucksters out there. And you can't look at the political system today and not see things where you go, how many double standards are there? But when you have a topic that people are looking for a reason to criticize, why? Primarily because they're naturalists. Primarily they don't understand things firsthand. And so, you know, you don't really want to get into an argument if you're dealing with someone who knows what they're talking about. So you just give them these ad hominem attacks or you just ridicule them and hope it stops. Why? Because I know everything. Because I'm a naturalist and everyone that's smart's a naturalist, right? Well, I'm, if I actually stand up for Jesus and if I stand up for, let's just say, theism and, and, and see how many attaboys you get praised with. Now, if you stand up for polytheism, they'll go, well, that's great, at least you're open-minded. But if you stand up for monotheism, it's like, oh, you're one of those narrow people. Well, I don't want to be associated with you. And that whole demon stuff, I associate with people that have been identified as whack people, and I can't take the chance on having my reputation ruined, so let's just not bring it up. Let's just not talk about it. And I will say, sir or ma'am, that's fear. 
perfect love is supposed to cast out fear. So why do you allow yourself to be controlled by fear? Well, I'd rather not talk about it. Okay. And you can be just like me. When someone walks into your front room demonized and you don't have a clue and you watch them on your floor contorted, you know, foam coming out of their mouth, screaming their name is something that it isn't, you can say, well, I just refuse to recognize this because, you know, I I wouldn't want someone to think I'm a whack if I admit this is really going on. (laughs) So just tell them in Jesus' love, be warm, be filled, pat them on the back and say, God bless you. I can't do that. It's the feel-good Christianity of today. Carl, we got about three minutes until the break time. I just want to read one quick little passage from your book, um, and I believe this is, uh, I'm not sure, chapter four maybe, where it says the flesh represents one-third of a threefold opposition Christians must learn to confront and overcome. And you break down spiritual warfare and attacks into three pieces, uh, three equal parts of a pie. Can you explain what those are? Oh yes, sir, Doug, and it, it goes back a little bit to where when people want the whole, you know the whole pie to be represented by the flesh or by the devil, and I'll say no. Uh, when I break that down, you know, I'm teaching that in an overview of a lesson or something. I usually use First John chapter two, uh, verses fifteen through seventeen, and James four four, which both talk about a world system in rebellion against God. I also talk about Romans seven. 15 through 25 and uh, Galatians chapter 5:17 which uh, Paul says both times the the shorter version the spirit wars against the flesh the flesh wars against the spirit they're in opposition to one another that you may not do the things you want to do and those are Christians in Romans 7 he's talking to Christians and says on four different occasions those 10 verses 15 to 25 there's an evil entity me the one wanting to do good but the good I want to do I don't the things I don't want to do I do what's wrong with me and then your third piece of the pie I'll usually use First Peter chapter 5, uh, verses 6 through 9, and James 4, 7 and 8, to talk about resisting the devil, and he will flee from you. And I'll say, do you understand that the Bible identifies an enemy as the world? That's one. It's external, and it's, it's usually through the eye gate, the ear gate. It's things you see, and you need to learn how to recognize that. The flesh is primarily internal. The Galatians and Romans passage both say these are entities within me. And the supernatural, the demonic, I believe, can be either. But we're told they shoot arrows at us. And they condemn us. And they whisper in our ear, you're worthless. You're no good. Why do you read your Bible? You don't get anything from it. You know, why your prayers bounce off the ceiling. If God loved you, why would he allow evil things to happen to you? Why don't you give up on God? It doesn't work. So I've said to people, am I getting hit through the world, the flesh, or the devil? Well, if I haven't learned how to recognize them and explain them, and then even more important, once I learn how to how to recognize them, how do I respond? I'll give it to you quick. Uh, hopefully, beat your beat your your break on this. When I'm dealing with the external solicitation of the world, First John two seventeen says, "Remember something: the things of this world fade away, but the things of God abide forever." And I'll say, when I'm solicited to trade away eternal treasure for temporary trash, I just have to remember that's a bad trade. When I'm dealing with the flesh, I'm told in Second Timothy two twenty two, there are some things dealing with the flesh to run from. They're too hot. I'm also Carl, told in Galatians five. Carl, I'm we're, sorry. we're right. We're right up against the break. I didn't want to interrupt you. Uh, You're on fire there. Folks, we're talking with Carl Payne. He's the author of Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. You can get this at World Net Daily Superstore. Make sure you use promo code HAGMAN. This is a fantastic book. 
Again, I read this back in early 2013, and I have used it as a reference very frequently. Carl will be with us again in this next segment, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Uh, folks, I'm going to direct your attention to MasterPreps.com. MasterPreps.com. Wow. Uh, MasterPreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, MasterPreps.com. That's MasterPreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Post in the Woods. We are an American family owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journey's kit at www.changepersonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Hey, welcome back to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. The Hagman Report, HagmanReport.com. There, check for Peter Chauka's newest piece. Look, it's not all shooting all of the time. And Peter Chauka has uh, an article on HagmanReport.com. You've got to read this. It's about the single-payer healthcare system. And and I referenced this this morning in my show. And by the way, tomorrow morning in, during my show, I really, I, I hope, I hope, I hope people tune in 
uh, to my morning show tomorrow morning. It's uh, it's going to be unlike any other previous show to date. That's all I'm going to say about that. And while you're at it, that's at 9 o'clock a.m. on BTR, Blog Talk Radio, as well as Global Star Radio Network. And then, of course, John and uh, Joe's show from 2 to 3 on Global Star and BTR as well. They do a fantastic show. I think I do a fantastic show, but I've got something special planned for tomorrow. Um, I didn't get a chance to do it today. Uh, you heard kind of a little, little bitsy bitsy piece of it. But our guest is Carl Payne, WND Superstore. Get his book, Spiritual Warfare. It's a manual that we use. And I'll tell you something. We, <laughs> you don't think we're fighting a spiritual battle? Oh, we are. And, um, Carl Payne is just a tremendous author and the book is a, a, just a tremendous resource, WND Superstore. Now, real quick before we get back to our guest. You know, my wife, uh, I, I love my wife and she loves this time of year, the fall time of year, the, the leaves changing. As a matter of fact, Eric the Tech, Jackie getting married in, in, a, in an outdoor setting where the leaves are going to be changing and you, you know that, that, that love is in the air kind of thing. Well, folks, let me tell you something. My wife, who just loves this time of year, the fall, the pumpkin spice lattes, the scented candles. I walked in the, the house after the show one day, Thursday or Friday, and everything smelled like pumpkin. And it was the scented candle that she had, uh, on the table. And I just got her something real special. I want to tell you about this deluxe cinnamon cider roses from proflowers.com. I got her this package. And guys, if you, if your wife, likes fall and likes roses uh, let me recommend deluxe cinnamon cider roses with the golden sunflower vase when i when when she got this package oh my goodness it was a lot of loving and a lot of thanks but i'll tell you something pro flowers they've got the perfect gift for anyone who is excited about fall a long lasting bouquet in their favorite fall colors their best selling Cinnamon Cider Roses. Now, I didn't know they were the best-selling, but I could see why. They're a great option for a birthday, an anniversary, any fall occasion. Or go with one of the classics, like 100 Autumn Blooms or a dozen Autumn Roses. You cannot lose, because no matter which bouquet you send, our listeners get 20% off any Pro Flowers unique bouquets of $29 or more. Remember I said I had something special for you? You're not going to find this elsewhere. That's right. Our listeners... Get 20% off any Pro Flowers unique bouquets of $29 or more. Pro Flowers bouquets are guaranteed to stay fresh for at least seven days or your money back. And you control when the package, when the delivery date is. Pro Flowers gives you more blooms for your buck, big, beautiful flowers, more stems for your money, and long-lasting freshness. And the aroma is so beautiful. Hey, to get 20% off all, all bouquets of $29 or more, go to proflowers.com. Use our code HAGMAN at checkout and do it today. That's proflowers.com and use our code HAGMAN at checkout. There, You can't go wrong. Our guest this hour is Dr. Carl Payne. He's an author of the book Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. And again, folks, um, I w- I was uh, had the opportunity to read this book several years ago, and if you are watching on YouTube, you can see my copy all marked up and highlighted and, and you know, little uh, post-it notes in there. It is a very uh, resourceful tool when, when talking about spiritual warfare. Carl, before the break, we were talking about the uh, 
the spiritual warfare making up uh, three equal parts of the pie. And uh, you got through talking about the attacks from the world, and you were starting to get into the attacks from the flesh. And I wanted you to continue right where you left off, if you could. Oh, I'd be happy to. Thank you, buddy. Um, uh, I'll just quickly again say that attacks from the world, uh, it, they're, they're, they're external. And my response needs to be evaluating the solicitation. Uh, you say it's billboards, it's radio, it's, it's, uh, not, you know, I know you're on radio, but songs, music. In other words, it's things that are telling me sell out cheap for things of time. That woman looks good, that food looks great, etc. And I don't have to say the woman isn't beautiful or the food doesn't look good. I just have to remember the things of time. They fade away. The things eternal last forever. So I say, Carl, don't give away eternal treasure for temporary trinkets. Don't do it. When I'm dealing with the flesh, Paul says in Romans 5, or excuse me, Romans 7, 15 to 25, and Galatians 5, 17, that that battle, both contextually with Christians, is within. He says it's an evil entity within me in Romans 7. He says the spirit's warring against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. In the Galatians passage, he tells me in verse 16, when you walk controlled by the spirit, you don't have to carry out the strong desires of the flesh. But if you do, as a believer, you're going to see 19 through 21. You're going to immorality, uh, drunkenness, all kinds of stuff. Or he says the fruit of the spirit, if you're being controlled by the spirit, it's love, joy, peace, patience. It's, it's, it's just look at the fruit. He doesn't at any time say it's not a Christian. He just says it's either a Christian being controlled by the flesh or being controlled by the Spirit. And and I have suggested that Galatians 2.22, excuse me, 2 Timothy 2.22, says that there are some things that you're around dealing with the flesh that are too strong. Run. I'd say just put on your tennis shoes and run. When I'm around so-and-so, I don't do very well. Well, then run. Well, they'll think I'm weak. Well, you are. You just said they influence you more than you influence them. They pull down your Christianity. So until you're walking where you should be, don't put yourself purposely in a situation where you know you're going to get beat up. But I also see the Galatians 5.16. When you walk controlled by the Spirit, you will not carry out the strong desires of the flesh. So apparently I sometimes I need to find out, am I trying to live the Christian life on my own? Or am I learning what it means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me, which the text says, when I do that consistently, I will not be controlled by the flesh. So I'll say, there's one instance where apparently the flesh is so strong, put on your shoes and run. There's another instance when it says evaluate who you're looking to for your strength, and maybe you're trying to depend on yourself. And then a third response, a Joe that I see in Ephesians chapter 4, 22 through 24, it says, put off the old man put on the new through the renewing of your mind. And I have suggested, as I said earlier when we first started, as a man thinks, so is he. That's Solomon in 23.7. And I think it's very biblical. I end up doing the things that I think a lot about. So I've said, if I end up thinking about nudie booty and doing wrong stuff all the time, what a surprise when you find yourself where you shouldn't be. So I have suggested in that that start replacing. Uh, one, of, one of my buddies, he's not with, he's gone now, Jay Cardi, but he used to, wonderful speaker, Christian man, but he used to give an illustration. He would tell the people, he'd say, don't think about a pink elephant. And everyone would look at him, including me, the first time I heard him. And he said, what you thinking about? I said, a pink elephant. And he said, now quit thinking about that pink elephant, stamp your foot, and each time say, I won't think about a pink elephant. He said, what do you do? I said, well, I think about a pink elephant. And he said, I want you to think about a polar bear. And I said, okay, I've got him. 
Uh, he's got black paws and black nose. Can you see him? Yep, I've got that. He's on an iceberg. Can you see it? Yeah, I've got him. He said, you're still thinking about a pink elephant. I said, no, I'm thinking about a polar bear. And then he, he essentially he used James 1, 19 and 20, you know, that to be... Be, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Why? Because the anger of man will not bring about the righteousness of God. And he said, now this was his testimony, he said, I had a problem with anger. Uh, he wasn't saying he still did, but he said, I had a problem with anger. And he said, I would tell myself, I won't be angry, I won't be angry. And he said, you, the other priest would say, I won't be lustful, I won't be greedy, I won't, I won't be envious. And he said, all it does is remind you of what you already know. And he says, it's sincere, it's just not very helpful. And he said, instead, I started thinking to myself, he said, with his anger issue, he said, I have two ears and one mouth, so listen more and talk less. Because when I open up my mouth, I end up getting myself in more trouble than I was to begin with. So he said, I started replacing the polar bears, excuse me, the pink elephants that I didn't want to think about with polar bears that I didn't. He said, I used scripture. I had one of the football players. I, 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 I was a chaplain in the NFL for more than two decades. And I remember when one of them said to me, I have such a problem with my mouth. I had him memorize Ephesians chapter 4, 29 and 30. It says the things that come out of your mouth. And it'd be uplifting, edifying. I said, that now is your polar bear. And he said to me, man, you really just you train your brain to think on what you want to think about instead of what you don't want to think about, and you actually start making progress. M and Mr. I said, exactly. You, you know, I got to tell you this, it, it, and I used to do this uh, not as an experiment, but but uh, I guess that's how it turned out to be. Um, my well, I, I won't get. My, my wife used to uh, carry certain things. One was a vase. I said, I, I would always tease her. You're going to drop that vase. You're going to drop that vase. And honest to goodness, she would drop the vase. Not all of the time, of course. But, you know, there's power in words, isn't there? Yes. That's what you're yes. saying. That's and, exactly and, what I'm saying. And I'm yeah. saying that the things I think of, it's just like when you think, go to, go to the demonic, go to the, the third piece of the pie. Uh, uh Revelation 12, 10 and 11 says that the accuser accuses us. It feels like it's 24-7. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians six sixteen, it's like you're getting hit with fiery arrows. And I believe the arrows and the, and the accusation are just two metaphors. One apostle uses an arrow. The other one talks about accusatory words. But I think they're the same, uh, uh, explaining one of the, the same, same experience. And I think if I am a Christian and I love the Lord, and you can call it a word, a thought, an idea, an impression. I don't care what you call it. I've had people identify it as all of the above. But it's like, Carl, I know I'm a Christian, but I hear in my mind, God doesn't love you. Uh, he used to, but he doesn't now. And I hear in my mind, or I get these thoughts that uh, my prayers bounce off the ceiling, so why do I waste my time? And when I try and read my Bible, I don't get anything out of it. I can read a novel by the hours, but I open up my Bible, and in 10 minutes, I'm fighting Zian, you know, falling asleep. What's wrong with me? And then I get the thought, well, see, if you love God, that wouldn't be the case. You've so failed God, he doesn't love you anymore. Uh, in other words... It's just this kind of a mental bombardment that no matter what you do, you don't measure up. No matter what you say, it wasn't right. Uh, no matter what you intended, your motives were probably wrong. And I have suggested you can run from that. Remember, lacing up your tennis shoes is a great response if you're dealing with issues of the flesh that are too hot for you. But ante stete, it's, it's, a, it's the Greek word used as resist in, in the First Peter 5 and James 4, and Paul uses it in Ephesians 6. The ante means 
against the state they stand. So stand against, stand opposed to, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Peter says, resist the devil firmly in your faith, he will flee from you. I have suggested to people, resisting is not running. Resisting is digging in and saying, no, that's not true, I'm not putting up with this. So if someone says, it really doesn't matter how you're being attacked, just read your Bible, memorize scripture, and it gets better. I go, that's what I learned in Bible school and seminary. Problem was, when I'm dealing with real people who love Jesus, struggle with issues, sometimes they'll say, I do read, I do memorize, but in my mind, I'm still always getting beat up. Or there's this group of friends, when I get around them, I do the wrong things. Or, you know, I, I would I, uh, I see these billboards that have uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream on it, and I immediately go buy, a, you know, three quarts of Haagen-Dazs, and I feel guilty for eating the ice cream, and I'm going, do you understand the difference between solicitation from the world, which is external, the flesh, which is internal, and the supernatural or demonic, which can be either. Because if you don't, then you just flip a coin and say, well, run and work sometimes with one of those world, flesh, or devil, I'll try that. Or resisting work sometimes, I'll try that. Or evaluating, saying yes to good things and no to bad things. See, we end up guessing. And then as we guess, we guess wrong more times than right. And then I end up thinking, well, maybe this Christian thing just doesn't work for me. Or maybe God just doesn't love me. And I suggest that's not the issue. Curtis Mitchell wrote a book years and years ago called Let's Live, and he gave this metaphor. He said, if you're on a ship, and it's a destroyer, and it's World War II, and you're supposed to be hunting down submarines, and if you've been trained to use anti-aircraft guns against airplanes or depth charges against submarines, they both work great. But if you have planes coming down to bomb your plane, and you start throwing depth charges in the water, he goes, the only thing you're killing are fish. Or if you're getting hit by a submarine lurking underneath and wanting to put a torpedo through your boat and you're shooting your anti-aircraft guns up in the air, you can kill fish, you can kill birds, but you're not doing anything to the submarine. And he said, there's nothing wrong with your defense system, but the operators need to learn how to identify the right enemy so they engage the right response. And I have said that's a perfect analogy for spiritual yeah. warfare. God has given us adequate information and power to be able to deal successfully with the world, the flesh, and the devil. But if I go, I don't have time to worry about that stuff. I, I just don't worry about it. I just, okay, then just flip a coin and guess. But as you start losing, then when you start catching the taunting or just the discouragement, it's not that God doesn't watch out for you. It's like, do, it's like you tell the sailors, did you read your manual? And I would say as a Christian, Christian, your Bible's your manual. Are you reading your manual? Well, not much. Then don't gripe when you're getting beat up. No, absolutely. And, and Carl, the, that analogy you gave was, was perfect. And I, I want to ask you a question here that I, that I see on, on a sheet here and a, little, a list of questions that this question comes up so frequently when we talk with pastors, when we talk with people who deal in spiritual warfare. And I think it's such a great question, and I know many in our audience probably have already emailed emailed it to us today. Can a Christian become demonized and de- or and or demon possessed? And what's the difference between the two? Okay, that's 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 terrific. According to the etymology of the Bible, there is no difference. But according to the way the concepts or words are used, again, just in Christian churches, there is. So let me explain it. Demonids and menos, that's the participle that's used repeatedly in the New Testament uh, that is, is described as, as a demon possession. The etymology of the word, Joe, it means demon cause passivity. 
It doesn't mean demon-caused ownership. It means demon-caused passivity. So when someone says, what do demons want? Demons' first job is to try and keep me away from Jesus. That's stupid. You don't want to listen to that. Run from that. You'll never have any fun, you know, etc. If a person comes to Christ, they can't win on that one. I belong to Christ. No one can pull me out of Christ's arms. So what they start doing is, how do I keep you so discouraged? And how do I keep you despondent? And how do I keep you so distracted that you don't feel like you can help anybody else? So I, I mute you. I shut you up. I can't. But the, the idea of ownership, in Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27, this is real important for people that are listening. Paul is talking to Christians in Ephesians 4. Anyone who wants to argue that contextually, you're going to lose. In 26, he's talking about how you deal uh, biblically with sin. There he uses anger, but you could plug immorality, you could plug anything in there, fear, you could plug unforgiveness. In other words, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your unforgiveness or your In other words, deal with things. Why? Same context, same group, 27. Because you do not want to give topos, was the Greek word. It meant, it was a, it was a word that meant to give away a place, a space, or a territory of control. It doesn't mean to give away ownership of something. I don't even own my own body. Uh, Galatians 2.20 says, when I became a Christian, the rights, I gave up the rights of me to Christ. It's his body now. How could I give away something that's not mine? But it is possible for me to uh, think of a house metaphor. Can I own a home, and can I allow a bad renter to come in and beat the house up until I tell him get lost? Sure. Doesn't change who owns the home. It just means I was foolish enough to allow someone in to parties all night long, messes my house up, and I'm going, well, just like I throw the other side, if I had a good renter come in, I, I, I would go, boy, I, I, he takes better care of the house than I do. He's a carpenter. He fixes stuff. Well, that was a smart move. But in other words, whether it's a good renter or a bad renter, it doesn't mean that renter owns the home. It means that I've opened a door to them. So what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4 is when you don't deal with sin, you potentially open up places places of control. And he says to who? To the devil. And he's talking to believers. So if somebody says, I'm going to live like H-E-L-L and play games and think that it doesn't matter, I'll go, you play games long enough, and you may find out that you've had a door kicked open, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, it used to be I had to think about doing the wrong stuff, now I just kind of do it. And it used to be I felt guilty about it, and now it doesn't even bother me. And now I'm getting a little bit afraid because I wasn't there as a believer before. What's going on? I'll say maybe you've given away an area of control which means a demon is saying in so many words, if you're not going to turn that to Christ and resist us, then apparently you're okay if we start bothering you. You're the one that kicked the door open. And if you're going to kick the door open, we'll come on the playground and play on your jungle gym. So if someone says, can a person be demonized, a Christian? The answer is yes. Yes, it doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament you can't be. On the other hand, does that mean that you're owned by the devil? Non-Christians or Christians aren't owned. Demons are squatters. They're created. God is the only creator. He's the owner. Demons are simply part of his creation. They're squatters. But if you throw rooms open and doors open to squatters, it's quite naive to think that they're not going to say, hey, if you don't mind me messing around with your life, I'm happy to mess around with your life. Because if I can keep you distracted, I can't keep you out of heaven, but at least I can keep you from helping anybody else get there. That's right. 
Carl, we got about five minutes left in this interview, and this can, hour can, went can so just, fast. Can I just say that was a great analogy about the house and the renter? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. That's perfect. Go ahead. Thank uh, you, sir. No, that, that 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 is great, and it's uh, you know, so right on the money. But we only have about five minutes left, Carl. And I want to ask you this: um, a lot of people who are Christians who are um, engaged in in their walk, faith walk with Jesus uh, deal with different forms of oppression. And and uh, what are some of the things? What are the, some of the things you would suggest to people to start taking back control of their life and their and their walk with the Lord? Oh man, that's another great question. Thanks, Joe. I'll give you two things immediately, and if if you, if I come up for air and there's time, man, cite me, and if I miss, but I think of two things. One we've already mentioned. One, start thinking on the things that are godly. Start thinking the way Christ would think. Uh, in other words, well, here's what the world. I don't care what the world thinks. Uh, people that love this world are going to burn like a Jimmy Dean pure pork sausage in hell one day if they don't get things right, even if they feel good about what they were doing. So I want to see things the way Jesus sees them. I want to think about things the way Jesus sees them. And so that would be one thing. If I know my thinking is wrong, start challenging your thinking and start replacing it with what biblically is true. Uh, what do you think about sex before marriage or after marriage, Carl? What does the Bible say? Has anything changed? Well, it's real popular today. I go, it may be popular, but that doesn't mean God changed his mind. Hey, what do you think about valuing honesty more than deceit? Well, that's pretty clear in the Bible. Well, but there's lots of dishonest people that make an art form out of tricking people. It doesn't make it right. Well, I just, where does the Bible talk? Well, then do some homework. So in other words, that's part of the answer. I'll give you another one that has been so helpful, and it doesn't cost a dime. And especially when I get people coming in that are saying, you know, I just get in my mind, I just get depressed. I, I deal with lots of people, uh, brother, whether they're diagnosed schizophrenic, um, bipolar, you name it. I get a lot of that. Usually after they've been everywhere else, if nothing's worked, but they know they're Christians, I'll get calls or emails. That's fine. But I'll say, I want you to start praying offensively. And they'll say, what's that? And I go, I know. I was in Bible school, out of seminary, never heard of it. It was that missionary I told you about. He said, son, do you pray offensively? And I said, never heard of it. And he said, most Christians pray defensively, like a Psalm 18 or a Psalm 27, which essentially say, God, hide me. Hide me and protect me. There's nothing wrong with that. But he says, read Psalm 35, read Psalm 83, read Psalm 58, read Psalm 109, read Jeremiah 18, 18 to 23, read Nehemiah 4, 4 and 5. Lord, when my enemies attack me, would you attack them? Lord, when my, 35, 8, when my enemies spread out nets for me, will you catch them in their own nets? How about 58 in Psalm, when my enemies shoot the arrows, break their teeth. In other words, boomerang their arrows right back. I'm ducking and send their arrows right back at them. And I've asked people, do you pray offensively? I said, I've never even tried it. Try it. Uh, I hear in my mind, whether it's a thought, an idea, you're fat, you're ugly, and you're stupid. Well, maybe you're just a sadomasochist that beats yourself up. But maybe you've got a demon shooting those arrows at you. So try this. Lord Jesus, if that's a demon trying to tell me you don't love me and I'm fat, ugly, and stupid, would you just beat the tar out of it? Or like David said, kick its teeth in. 
Tell them I'm off limits. Thank you in Jesus' name. You're not really a Christian. Your prayers bounce off the ceiling. Don't pray. Lord Jesus, if that's a demon just trying to discourage me from praying and telling me you don't listen, my, would you just beat the tar out of that thing? And would you do to it what it's trying to do to me and tell them I'm off limits? Thank you in Jesus' name. I have had people tell me I started doing that, and instead of being in two hours of staring at my navel and depression, it just stops. I'll say, welcome to warfare. Welcome to warfare. I've had people tell me I have not, and this, I'm honest, I'm not exaggerating this at all. I have not had one night's sleep for three or four years where I didn't get nightmares, I can't sleep. Try praying offensively. Well, how would I do that? Ask God to guard your subconscious. Lord Jesus, if those are demons that are attacking my subconscious, because I won't cooperate consciously, because I love you. So subconsciously, they try and interfere with my sleep so that I get sleep deprivation, I get worn out, I get weary, I get mumbly and bumbly, and then I just make bad decisions. If there are demons that are actually doing this stuff with the nightmares and stuff, would you tell them I'm off limits and beat the tar out of them? I'll get a phone call and I'll say, guess what? And I'll go, tell me, I slept through the night. Man, that was weird. Try it again tonight. Three or four nights later, they'll go, I'm sleeping. It didn't cost me anything. It was just offensive prayer. I'd say, welcome to spiritual warfare. Now, everything isn't spiritual warfare. There can be physiological issues. There can be mental issues. I'm not pushing everything on demons. But sometimes we have been so trained as naturalists to ignore the demonic or the supernatural or ridicule it. We don't even think that way. And demons just have a heyday, just popping with those arrows. Pop. Well, ask God. Boomerang their arrows right back at them. I don't like this. See what he does. I've had people say, it's gone. It stopped. I go, apparently you're doing something right. Well, what do you mean? Carl, we, we've reached the end of our time together, and one of the takeaways of your book... <laughs> we love that, this guy, by the way. One of the takeaways oh, of your you. book that other spiritual warfare books don't really um, cover a lot is the fact that it's not us that is fighting the spiritual warfare. We have to let the Lord fight, fight the the spiritual battles, but we need to be the ones to, to ask and to be proactive about it. Uh, Dr. Carl Payne, the book Spiritual Warfare, Christians, demonization and deliverance you can get at World Net Daily Superstore promo code Hagman and if you like what you heard on this interview tonight then you're going to love this book make sure you pick up the copy again at World Net Daily Superstore Dr. Carl Payne, pick up thank two, you so one for much your pastor. we're going to have you back uh-huh. on I'd love yeah. to, thank you very much guys thank, thank you. you, you have a great night God bless you we'll be right back, don't go anywhere Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. 
Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Hey, welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. You know, if you're just joining us for the third hour, uh, as we had talked about in the first and second hours, the first hour in particular, um, obviously we are still learning from the events, or still learning about the events on the the slaughter on the strip, as I call it, uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Look, um, my opening statement uh, at the opening of the show, I ask, I pray that, that each and every one of you don't lose your critical thinking skills in the wake of or in response to this traumatic incident. And we here at the Hagman Report, we don't, we don't want to be first with the information. We don't intend to be first. You know, again, at 1.30 this morning, 1.35 this morning, to be precise, I was on this story, didn't say a word about it, monitored the story, and, uh, just watched because what happens here is re- repetition and reiteration of the same information. It's not only pointless, but it reinforces a narrative that may or may not be ac- accurate. And we're not going to fall into the fallacy trap of, of repeating that and uh, uh, reinforcing a, a predetermined or perhaps a pre- predetermined narrative. We are collecting information. You will get that information as we vet it and uh, again being the first is not as important as being accurate and uh, I personally will will have much more to say about this in the days and weeks ahead days days ahead as will we together and uh, just watch for that also tune into my daily show 9 to 10 Joe's daily show and John's daily show 2 to 3 
in addition to the flagship show, the Hagman Report, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Before we get to our next guest, we're going to be talking about a lot of important issues with uh, uh, Jim and Angie, Victorus Libertas. Very, very interesting and uh, great researchers. Before we get to that, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you hiring? Look, are you in need of great talent for your business but short on time? Look, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools. You need smarter tools. Zip Recruiter. That's right. And if you're hiring, you know that quality hires keep your business moving forward. But you also know it can take a lot of time to find the right candidate for your job. That's where Zip Recruiter comes in. With Zip Recruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click of the mouse. You can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. And, and th- this is important. ZipRecruiter puts its smart, smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. And we have tried it, and it works. It's no wonder that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Think about that. 80% who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate, a qualified quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter. It is by far the smartest way to hire. Now, here's a great deal for you, the listeners. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes, small, medium, large, and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, you, my listeners, can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. One more time to try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. We've tried it. We've used it. It's an amazing service. Now, Joe, Jim and Angie have been on with us before. Great yes, people. Have. Yeah, they, they were on with us, what, maybe about a month ago. Their YouTube channel is Victorus Libertas, and they are in the alternative media. And they do a, a number of great videos and, and talk about a whole host of um, important and interesting topics and, and current events. They're activists. They're bloggers. They're truthers. <laughs> they're they're just good people. All of the above. Jim and Angie, it's great to have you back on the show. Hey. Hey guys. How's it great going? to have you. It's great to be back. Well, I know uh, last time that hey. you came on, we were talking about us coming on your show. For you guys yeah. to interview us, but uh, we're, we're boy- here we are again. Uh, it's, heck with that. We're boycotting you. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. That, that's what I heard. Yeah, you, you know. Come on to our show because you guys are too good for us. That's right. Well, where's the check? Where's the check? <laughs> the, the gold bar. You know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's, uh, <laughs> They're all broke that are in alternative media, apparently. Isn't, isn't that true, though? Isn't yeah. Seriously. Hey, you know what I noticed, though? I think you've been practicing saying the name Victorious Libertas. Yay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, look, everyone knows. Uh, 
I am not a talk show host. I'm an investigator by profession. Okay. And I, I, my tongue and the teeth, I, it wraps up and, you know, I get tongue tied. Victorus Libertas. How's that? I've been practicing. Oh, perfect. It's better than Thank I you. say it. It's right. awesome. Well, I, John actually made me practice. He actually ducked <laughs> into a chair and said, you're going to, you're going to learn this or else. But, but you know, we in the alter, the, the honest media, have been censored. We've been flogged, whipped, gagged, put in uh, Facebook prison, put in Twitter prison, put in social. It, it just we've just been, and and of course we're facing you know the the penalties. Uh, uh, the people want the information, but many people refuse to support you know the that that the platform. I'm not going to say everyone, but many people do. So, man, it's a it's a job, isn't it? It's yeah. tough, but you know what? We just love what we do so much. We were born truthers, and, you know, we've lived it, and it feels so good to be able to get it out and have anybody listen. It's just worth it to us. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely worth it. Um, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, I mean, basically we say, we, you know, we love it. We do it for free. We're, we're basically doing it for free. Well, I'll tell you something, and, and that's, Really, you can tell when you love something and you do it well. And you do, I've got to hand it to you, you do what you do very well. Now, there's, we we got a problem here. There's not enough to talk about. There's nothing really going on today. Uh, Not really. So so we're just going to have to kind of make it seriously. Um, You know, what we saw in Vegas, Las Vegas, this, uh, this morning, do you want to start out there, or do you prefer to start out somewhere else? I mean, everyone's talking about that. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, we'd like to say that uh, we're very sorry, and our hearts go out to everyone in uh, that was there at the concert that was affected by uh, this terrorism. We do believe it's terrorism. You know, we saw many videos, and people were terrorized. Uh, people got hurt. And it's reported that people uh, died. So, um, you know, our hearts go out to all that were affected by the terror. And you know he's not going to stop there. Well, uh, what do you think? What do you guys think? I mean, it's, it's horrendous. It was what happened is, uh, is, uh, is, Terrifying, and it's yeah. still, you know, I mean, and it's not getting any better in our country right now. It's yeah, just getting worse. Been so many mass mass shootings lately. It's it's really getting out of control. Right? Well, yeah, and I, and I guess I do have to say something because uh, there's probably people on here that know that I put up a video earlier today, uh, and I was accused of saying that it was a false flag. And it might have been a false flag, but I want people to understand that, you know, people get hurt and people die all the time at false flags. False flags are real events. It's just the perpetrators that are in question. That's true. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that because we were talking before the show, uh, John and I, um, about uh, a guest that we were having on Keith Hansen and he was uh, very upset with people who referred to the Sandy Hook shooting as a false flag. And, and we were discussing the fact that uh, a false flag definitely doesn't mean that, you know, that there weren't bodies on the ground. It just means that the official version of events, the way that they're told to us, did not happen in that same way. And I would have to agree that there, 
um, as we talked about in the opening of our show, uh, just going off what has been reported, there are a lot more questions than there are answers, and we really don't know what happened here yet. You know, we have a story that's been told to us. Uh, there are a lot of videos out there, but um, as far as, you know, who, uh, what the perpetrator was, what really happened, we're getting our information from law enforcement sources, and right. we don't know exactly what happened yet, and I don't, I'm not sure that we'll really ever find out. Oh, I, I think we will. And, and Jim and Angie, because of, okay, I, I own a, an, a, a PI agency, and I, I don't practice anymore. When I say practice, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm active on the consulting basis, usually on, on, on the forensic side of things. But having said that, I still have access to proprietary databases that the general public does not. Right. And, Early this morning, right? Well, I shouldn't say it, well, it was early this morning, I guess. I don't want to give people the missing, uh, as soon as I, as soon as I was able to, to verify the name by law enforcement of the alleged shooter, I, I ran a background on, on the shooter and, uh, okay, I've got numerous pages there and, and there's, I, I've got a lot of questions about this. And isn't it interesting though, moving forward, where everyone says, no, didn't see this coming. This is out of the blue. Right. You know, so there's questions here. Yeah, there are lots of questions. Yeah, I think there are a lot of questions. And, and also, which a little suspect is the fact that, well, not really suspect, I knew this would happen, is the the left wants to start talking about gun control again. Yep. They didn't and waste it, a minute. Before and they did they not ran. waste a minute. So that's that's where we're going with that and I just think it's gonna yeah, it's gonna get worse. So You know, yeah. and, and I, I want people to be clear on this. Okay, this does not we, we are not dimin and I know Jim and Angie are not either. We're not diminishing the deaths that took place or the carnage or or the incident itself. Obviously what we're trying to do is exercise critical thinking and not 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 uh be uh, quick to respond, but respond after the proper analysis has been completed. Because who wants to be first out and wrong? We'd rather be, uh, yeah. you know, correct. And, and that, that's what we have to be. And I think many times when you see blood and you see dead bodies, everyone loses their critical thinking skills and their, yes. and, yes. and their ability to really comprehend. And it was 363, roughly 364 yards from the window to the nearest victim. So that's a long way. That's three and a half foot football fields, you know. That's um, right. So th there's a lot of unanswered questions here. But I like, right. to, I like to look at the bigger uh, picture here. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. And I, I want to see the response as much as I want to see the other side of things. And I think so does uh, whoever it was that terrorized those people. I think they want to see the response, too. Yeah. So where, okay, in your reasoned, measured analysis, both of you, where do you think this is going to lead? And that doesn't, now that's speculation, but it doesn't rely upon the minutia of the event or the specifics of the event. So where do you think this is going to lead? Well, I think it's going to lead to increased pressure to put more uh, gun controls in place. Uh, obviously, this sounded like a, an automatic type weapon. So probably, yeah, I think they'll go for the banning of uh, military style weapons. 
I I would hate to say this, but uh, police stating, perhaps getting uh, our you know militarizing our police even more than it is right now, and then more security. But as we know, I feel that the more security we have, uh, the more freedoms that are given away. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in Las Vegas uh, in this near future, I think. Yeah, in this case, I think that what happened in Vegas is not going to stay in Vegas. You know, I, I'm not trying to make a uh, pun of this, because, but seriously, I really don't think it's going to stay in Vegas. I think it's going to spread. Yeah. yeah, you know, we've had... Um threats of this November 4th, uh, the, the Antifa group, and uh, Dad, help me out here, what's it, uh, they called for uh, a day of rage, uh, I believe, on November 4th? Well, that's that's kind of what it, uh, yeah, you might as well say that, a day of rage, but, uh, you know, the SDS 2.0, the Weather Underground 2.0, but it's all the RevCom stuff, Yeah, and, revolutionary yeah. communists. And so we see this, uh, we, we've seen this, uh, political violence that has been ongoing since the Trump campaign with, uh, you know, yeah. shutting down a rally in Chicago back in, I believe it was, uh, September or October of last year to the Steve Scalise shooting that we saw where it seems that a man targeted a, re- the Republican softball, um, practice and Steve Scalise yeah. still, you know, uh, recovering from his injuries. And then, you know, this story is just so strange for a number of reasons. And maybe we can go through some of them, but, you know, at, at this point again, we're still, we're still speculating, uh, somewhat. But what we have here is a, a an apparent, a 64 year old man named. With no priors. Yeah, named Stephen Paddock yep. with no priors. One interesting note though, his father was on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list at some point in his life. He was a bank robber who escaped from federal prison in the 1960s. And, um, but he himself, they say that he's only had one traffic citation in the last, you know, 10 years or something like this. Uh, they say that he snapped, which is kind of strange, making it seem like it was a, a kind of an impromptu thing, the shooting, where obviously it was much more meticulously planned out with the number of weapons that were involved. Then you have the, um, the lady, uh, the reports of a Hispanic lady seen about 45 minutes before the shooting, uh, you know, messing with people, telling everybody that they're going to die. Then the use of the uh, fully automatic weapons with no military background. And you have to ask yourself, where did, you know, um, if he converted them himself, where did he learn to do that? There's just a lot of questions that um, surround this story that I don't know that we'll we'll see the information of. And one of the reasons I say that is uh Charlottesville. The mm-hmm. the incident that happened in Charlottesville a while back, we saw that the driver of the car who killed the woman was charged with second degree murder, not first degree murder, which was what you would charge somebody with who intended to get behind the wheel and kill somebody. Um right. and then, you know, basically all any and all media reports about him and what has happened to him since have have you know kind of vanished. We haven't heard anything about him. Now uh, we have this guy, which just leaves even more questions. And the level of uh, violence that this guy brought about is just unbelievable. And you know, again, this leads us to just so many questions. And the the amount of weapons he had, 
Um, it's now being reported it took the police officer 72 minutes to locate him after the first 911 call came through, even though the mainstream media reports this morning were that, you know, the police response was so fast in 10 to 15 minutes. Um, there's a, the issue of his girlfriend. Where is his girlfriend? So many questions. Um, and did you see, I'm sorry, did you see the videos where it looked like, um, there was firing coming from the fourth floor? You could actually see, um, that looked like, uh, mm-hmm. shots, magazines. Sh- so I'm not sure, I mean, like you said, there's more questions than answers. Yeah, now supposedly he was, uh, this person was on the 32nd floor, is that correct? Yeah, that's what's, that's what, um, is the being official. reporting. And there's even, um, people who, uh, there was one apparent, See, a lot of this information that I have read has not been confirmed. I did read a story where it said somebody on the same floor heard the machine guns and said that the the the, the gunfire was coming from the floor he was staying on. They also said a security guard was killed there. That's completely unconfirmed and speculative information. And this is the problem and, and the frustration with uh, having to cover these events is trying to find out what is the truth versus what is being, you know, sensationalized for the for the sake of trying to, to grab a scoop on the story. And mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just, uh, it's unfortunate, but it's definitely, uh, there's, they're calling it one of the worst, the worst shooting in American history, uh, in modern American history. And nobody had any red flags or, or indications that this guy, um, had snapped or was planning on doing something like this, which I find hard to believe, but here we are. Uh, yeah, well, see, you make a good point. How do you de- how do you defend something like that? How do you foresee something like that? How do you protect a nation from something like that? Where it, it, is, it would it's impossible, right? Um, unless you some somewhere somehow you increase security measures. Yeah. Kind of like well, you did with the TSA at the airport, at the airport, a, right? Well, that's exactly right. My favorite. That's yeah. exactly right. That that's kind of what I'm alluding to right now. But I I think uh, there's so many questions about what happened here, and we need to get it right because there was a lot of carnage, there was a lot of people that uh, you know death and mayhem and and that got hurt. And we need to get this right. We need to find out the truth about this, and uh, we, we intend to do that. Uh, we, I, I just have it in my heart that uh, we're not getting the uh, true story. The true story. It's funny because you know, it's it's funny because we've been sold. All of us have been sold to think that the mainstream media is fake news. Mm-hmm. So my question is, when do we decide whether it's fake or not? What's real and what's not when yeah. the mainstream media feeds it to us? Exactly. Because we have a lot of viewers who, you know, agree with pretty much everything that we say. And then when he says false flag, they want to throw in, no, no, that's that's not right. You shouldn't say that. And and his question to me earlier, right before we came on, was just that. He's like, these are the same people that are saying CNN and NBC and ABC are all fake news. Why all of a sudden do they believe them? You know, and I want to I want to reiterate the fact that there's a big difference between a false flag and a hoax. And nobody's saying that what happened last night was a hoax. All right, I I feel that there now I feel that there were shots fired. I feel that people did get hurt, uh, and people probably did get killed. And, and it's, uh, but I want to get to the bottom of what happened. 
Yeah, I, I think it's important. I, I don't have, based on my law enforcement contacts, I mean, the, there were bodies, dead bodies there. In fact, perhaps there still may be lying. Okay. Uh, you know, now that's, again, that's somebody that I've spoken to that's on site, that's a law enforcement official who I know, um, who, uh, did not respond to the scene contemporaneously, but, but afterwards, uh, was there afterwards, uh, for another reason. But having said all of that, you know, it, it, to me, um, when I dealt with it this morning after a long night of listening, um, I, I just see the fingerprints of a non-elected body that's kind of directing the, it, it, it's certainly directing the outcome, how this plays out, whether it's in the media or perhaps even in the new honest or alternative media or just overall. I mean, I, and your channel is really great with respect to the, the vast amount of content and the analysis, measured analysis that you've got. So, you know, bottom line here, we it's, we seem to turn a corner. How, let me ask you this, because I was watching some of your videos earlier today. Um, how close are we to a civil war in your in your view? In in your what's your heart telling you? I feel like we're in the middle of one. Mm. I just think it'll get worse. Uh, yeah, we might be in a civil war right now. I, I mean, think. we're we're very close and let me ask you a question, uh, if I may. Sure. Uh, do you believe that we're close to a civil war? I mean, uh, and and if so, like uh, groups like Antifa. Right. This is a well-funded group. Oh, yes. And where, where are they getting their money from? We all know where they're getting their money from. Well, yeah. If I can answer that question, Angie, you're right, by the way. We are in the midst of a civil war right now. It's just It just hasn't been declared as such, and certainly it hasn't gotten to the point where it's spread geographically across the United States. But ideologically, racially, economically, there is this divide, and I think it's being ex- exacerbated by the powers that be. And, yes, we are in a civil war. Secondly, uh, Antifa. We have a group of investigators, seven in total, who are undercover. And I don't know, did you happen to see Louder with Crowder or Stephen Crowder's video about about the Antifa video where they were talking about the knives and stuff? Did you have to I see I did not. Okay. Uh, to make a long story short, Stephen Crowder posted a video of a conversation, a recorded conversation with an Antifa member. We were talking, they were talking about knives and guns taking him into, uh, doing damage uh, into these, uh, uh, riots. All right. So it, you can find it. It's on the internet. We have the same thing, except we're not offering the, the recording simply because that compromises our operational security. Instead, we're turning over to local law enforcement. Federal law enforcement doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with this. Okay, and and we've seen this happen in the past with with the Muslims. Now it's Antifa, but I think Angie, you're you're dead on accurate, and Jim too. I mean, it's uh, both of you are, are dead accurate when when it comes to your observations. And Antifa, where's it funded? You know, this is one thing that I think that people don't really get the fact that. Um, the cannon fodder or the idiots out there that, that that are being caught on tape, like with Crowder, but the funding is coming from from higher up, and the management is the mid-level management, either within academia or even within the city and local governments. It, it, it's crazy to even say that, but 
that's where the operational management seems to be coming from. I, I'm sorry, I, I dominated the time on that, but yes, no, no, no. Not at all. I asked the question. And Jim and Angie, uh, we we are up against our break, folks. We're talking with Jim and Angie from Victorus Libertas. That is the YouTube channel. Go there and subscribe. Check out their videos. They post videos on a daily basis on all kinds of interesting uh, content, important news and information. And make sure you, you bookmark them. This is their second appearance on Hagman Report, and we still owe an appearance. Uh, we're going to be on with them at some point in time. John, we're going to have to set that up uh, to make sure we keep good on our promise. Amen to that. They're going to be back. an honor to be on there. Absolutely. They're going to be back with us for our final segment of the evening right after this break, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Caring Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. 
That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Today, Monday, October 2nd, 2017, the tragedy, when I say tragedy, I'm talking about the loss of life, the definite loss of life in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, speaking with the, uh, speaking with my source, who is uh, part of the Las Vegas Police Department, it's, uh, it's, it's horrific, and there's a lot, there's just so much, you know, that affects so many people, the first responders, and it just, you just, people don't have a clue. But our guests, uh, Jim and Angie, Victor's Libertas, did, did I screw that up this time? No, I didn't, of course Victor's not. Victor's oh, Libertas. Great. So, see, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning. And, and yeah, you know, we can start calling us BL. VL. Well, and folks, subscribe to their YouTube channel. They got a great YouTube channel. A lot of great interviews they do and, and a lot of great information. They're very, um, they're very measured in what they do. But, but you know, it's interesting because they have a sheet in front of me. And this is, we're, we're trying not to only change the way we act and think about things, but to get the truth out there so others can make informed decisions about how they think and act. And isn't that what this is all about? And, and that to me is in a one sentence statement is what we do as well. Yeah. And, uh, I want to welcome. Them back. Uh, We're going to get back to, to Jim and Angie in just a second, but I, we have a, a special prayer request for Pastor Jim Riley, who is the pastor at Eaton Rapids Assembly of God. He's uh, 45 years old. He's married, has two young daughters. He is being tested for a brain tumor. So we ask all of you to keep Pastor Jim Riley in your prayers, and we Indeed. thank you for that. All right. Thank you for thank you for your prayers, brother. Jim and Angie. Um, okay. So we've got this. Now, here's, we've got what happened in Las Vegas. That's gonna, that's gonna dominate the headlines for, I'm sure, the rest of the week. What are we missing when we're looking at this, or what are we not seeing when our eyes are deflected into this situation? Oh, yeah. Is there anything you're, is there anything specifically that you're watching or you've worked on recently that we should be looking at? What's going on in other countries? It's gonna be somewhere else. Spain. So yeah, what's what is Spain? Oh yeah, let's talk about. Well, you know, I haven't covered that much, uh, but you, are we talking about the uh, the, the election? Referendum. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the, the, what I'm seeing is that there's just a it, there seems like there's a lot of turmoil going on between people like us and the establishment, and it's coming to a head. And the question is. Who's gonna win? You know, who, who's, who's gonna overcome? Are, are, do we have enough to overcome or, or does the establishment, the globalists, have they, do they have such a footing, a strong footing that, uh, that, uh, there's, there's very little that we can do? I don't know that the answer to that yet. And I'd like to interject too. When we were talking about a civil war, I think that is worldwide and not just here in the United States. Boy, I agree with you on that. Yeah, there's a there seems to be as as you yeah. said, Jim, a a populist movement versus the establishment. 
not only in America, but in several countries. We saw it with the Brexit vote in <laughs> the end of 2016. We're seeing it here in, in Spain. And, and folks, what happened in Spain, it was, um, front and center in the headlines throughout the weekend where, uh, there was, uh, violence all throughout, uh, parts of Spain as they went to vote for a, uh, was it a, a an option to opt out of the state of Spain to start their own, uh, Republic, Republic, right. uh, Republican government. And, yes. um, I want to make sure I say this right. Is it Catalonian? The Catalonian government said 90% of those who voted in an unauthorized independence referendum chose the split from Spain. And what happened was the police clashed with over 2.26 million voters and the vote was, I believe it was 92% to 8% wanted to leave Spain. And they did not, the government did not want this vote to happen and they pushed back and there was some pretty interesting optics on, um, coming out of Spain. Now what's going to happen from here is the question. And they, they're saying that this is a, a shameful page in Spain's history and, uh, that adding that this would need another look by the European Union into alleged human rights violations by the Spanish government. So that's a, a pretty big and interesting story, and it speaks to the narrative that you're talking about as this, um, you know, we see this pushback against the establishment and the status quo by the people in the world, all across all across the world. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I really see the, the globalist push for a one-world government um, and here in the United States, what I'm seeing is what they call the Cloward-Piven strategy. That's a communist strategy to overwhelm society with so many things at one time that that we become dependent on the government for all the solutions and answers. And I, I, I really believe that there's an agenda right now to just overwhelm our society, and not only our society, but around the world. And I do believe in a one, uh, the agenda of a one world government, uh, and a one world monetary system as well. Oh, digital, a digital monetary system. Well, Crypto. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit because in Europe we see, especially in Sweden and in, in, in Denmark, we see this move towards a cashless society. And we have had Michael Snyder on. Uh, economiccollapseblog.com. He's also right, running for Congress in Idaho, and he has uh, pointed this out in several of his articles as well as done uh, some special pieces on this where he talks about uh, you know, basically they're banning cash and everything is, is becoming, uh, you know, from chips in their hands to just uh, uh, digital through through cards to the point where even homeless people on the streets who are panhandling for money have card readers instead of, you know, cans for people to donate money to them. And they're trying to make this, uh, whether they're going to do this incrementally throughout the world or some big, you know, economic crisis is going to usher this in, they seem to be, uh, you know, charging full steam ahead to try to bring in this cashless society. Yeah, yeah and we're, I think what we're, we're seeing it here as well. Um, there, I believe that uh, there's... Bitcoin is 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 not as decentralized as a lot of people think, in my opinion. I think it's very centralized, and uh, the blockchain is being controlled by 
perhaps uh, the uh, the deep state. Yeah, it, I mean that's word that we've gotten from somebody who understands it a lot better than we do. We're trying to understand cryptocurrencies better, and we're actually going to have um, Jeff Berwick on our show in a week or so. And you know he's a huge Bitcoin guy and knows all about that. So maybe we can get a little more into that with him. But that's what we're hearing that uh, Bitcoin's. Uh, on cue to be that one-world uh, cryptocurrency. So and that's a little scary. Man, I just, you know, you guys, uh, and, uh, and thanks for having him on, and thanks for doing that. Yeah, I'm going to be watching that to be sure. He's great. Yeah. Isn't he awesome? Yeah, yeah he, yep. he is. And, and uh, I, I I just don't understand that. the. Uh, I understand the convenience, even going to the, the cards without cash, but, uh, the fact is being tracked and, and I mean, boy, we're getting led mm-hmm. right into that slaughter yep. shoot, aren't we? Yeah. Well, and, and people are running for it, you yeah. know, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's going to be digitalized. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, uh, all products are going to be digitalized. And, and so that, that's how we feel. And I, it's just, uh, I, I had a, I had a scary, uh, thing happen to me the other day. Uh, I, w- I forget, I was calling up my bank and my bank wanted to do so- a verification of who I was. You know how that they'll do that when you call up? Oh yeah. And she interrupted me halfway through as I was going to give her some, uh, so- some of my information and she says, oh, we've verified your voice. Don't worry about it. Really? Yes. That is a, that is a true story. <laughs> I, didn't I, I, don't, I didn't even tell Angie that. <laughs> Freaked me out. I don't. Do so that. there was. So they verified me by by my voice. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys like that? Uh, well, I pretty creepy. Let me think about that for a second. Wow. Uh, but you know, it, now my doctor's office. Are you going to say that? No. Okay. Because at my gonna... doctor's office, I go in. And it's all biometric now. You don't sign, you know, instead of signing in on a form, yeah. you put your thumbprint or your thumb in this thumb or fingerprint reader or your finger or what I can't remember. But anyway, no, this that's is and, see, and, and going back to Las Vegas, this is one of the areas that many people are asking questions about because the amount of surveillance cameras that are in and outside of the um, casinos there, and as we talked about on the Daily Show, as John pointed out. These places uh, are not only hotels, they're casinos, and they have securities that are, are tighter than banks and even small city police forces in some cases. Yeah. And one of the main uh, tools that law enforcement are now using is facial recognition software. And they are able to use this, even if you have a mask and a hood on, they can still identify who you are through facial recognition with your face completely covered up. And when we see yeah. things like this, yeah. and even going back to the Seth Rich investigation, uh, one thing that was never released to the public and, and never talked about were street cameras. Who was coming and going, uh, you know, at the time that Seth Rich was murdered and in and around that area. Oh, yeah. You know, those things are conveniently missing when they need to be, apparently. But, you know, if you or I were to go do something, you know, committing a murder or robbing a bank, you can guarantee that footage would be released, you know, for the 6 o'clock news to, to identify us if they had not already identified us through these enhanced technological features. But the voice identification thing—that is pretty—that's yeah. um, pretty out there. It's—it it, was—it's—it's it's scary. And you know what, guys? The way I see it right now is you have to assume that everything that you say, everything that you do, 
is being watched somewhere, somehow. So be on your best behavior, everybody. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> that is hard for me, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm yeah. in trouble then. No, I mean, seriously, it's scary that they can look into, through your walls, in your windows. I mean, they've got that technology. You know, um, yeah, uh, boy, I can, I can't really say this, but, nah, never mind. But as a PI, there are some tools that, you know, that are out there that, uh, for example, if you're inside your house, the vibrations of the glass, you could actually pick up, uh, conversations. I'll just enough said on that, but, um, all right. Yeah, I, I bet you've got lots of fun toys that you're <laughs> No, no, uh, no. Allegedly. Uh, you did it. You did a couple of great videos. By the way, uh, join their channel, uh, subscribe to their YouTube channel, but you did a couple of great videos. One about, and you're, you're in front as well on, on the CPS, Child Protective Services issue. You're in front on Anthony Weiner. Um, I'd like to talk to you about those two. You just did a video about CPS in Israel. Oh, yeah. Okay. You want to talk about that, or you want to? And I direct everyone to that video. Uh, That's with Marianne Azizi. Um, she is our Israeli correspondent. She has lived in and around Israel for many years and uh, is a huge, wonderful, amazing activist and um, advocate for for the people of Israel. And um, she tells the same story, and all the people tell the same story that we do, basically. Um, our government is, you know, hurting us. They're taking advantage of us. They're criminalizing everything. And um, so the last um, time that we spoke with her, she had a lawyer who was a family court mm-hmm. lawyer and... Again, he told much of the same story as the CPS that we have to go up against over here. And it's just a horrendous experience for anybody who has to go through it. Yeah, so so really the same thing is happening in Israel as that, that's happening here in that, you know, uh, it's a money thing. It's big business. So foster caring is big, big business. Uh, the, the CPS gets a lot of money. Uh, the government gets a lot, the, the, the local governments get a lot of money. And in many cases, uh, these kids are just shuffled along. And not only that, but they're given medications when they don't need them. And by the way, if they're given medications, they get even more money. They're more funding. A lot of these kids are getting, uh, sexually abused yeah. in, in foster care as well. So uh. there's just a lot of nefarious things going on, uh, that, you know, are being exposed right now on our channel, and it's horrendous. And I urge everybody to go and see and to watch some of the, uh, some of these interviews to see what's really going on. See how many families are hurting so bad and so, are so desperate to get their children back. And it's it said once CPS gets your children, it is very very difficult to get them back. You know, uh, one thing that we're very proud of uh, on our channel is our viewers and the um, group of people that rally on our channel. And so one of the greatest things that we're able to do, to do is bring somebody on who normally would not have a voice or mm. a platform. They get to tell their story and ask for help, 
and our viewers rally to them and help them. We have people inside and outside of the CPS. Um, we have, you know, all kinds of different people with different backgrounds and specialties. And we've been able to help a lot of people in that situation, and it really helps us. It makes us feel good. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think we said this the last time we were on is, you know, we feel like our subscribers, we're, we're just a big family. We're a team. And we all work together. You know, we, we've got, we, we have the voice, but there's so much talent out there within our subscribers and we draw from them and they draw from us and it's just reciprocal and it's a beautiful thing what, what, what happens. I, and I know that you have the same thing. Yeah. We, we do. It, it, but As my dad would say, the most, uh, intelligent audience <laughs> out there. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at your, uh, videos, uh, for example, the stellar CPS Israel attorney uh, video, and and folks, uh, go to Victorus Libertas YouTube page, uh, subscribe. But the collective effort that we see taking place, this to me, what is, I mean, America. This is what America is about. This unification, and and you're leading, you're the leaders of that group, as we are ours to some extent. Um, but without the, uh, how do I say this? The whole or the, the sum is not greater than the, or the whole is not greater than the sum of the parts. In other words, everyone in this is important. Yes. And, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Every little person, you know, and, and our circle's growing, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. And, um, you know, every single person has some special thing that they contribute and it's, somebody will email me and they're in dire need and I send out an email and I mean within minutes, within minutes, these people get responses and everybody's so eager to help. And, you know, I think that's what us good people have been lacking for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that, that I know in, in folks, uh, Jim and Angie are guests. I, I know that, uh, they've got, they've got a, a very solid, faithful following and, and they're very good at what they do. Again, around the screen, their YouTube channel, subscribe. Now let me ask you a question. What do you think? And you've been in the forefront of this as well, the Pizzagate, Pedigate. You reported a couple of days ago, I think it was on Anthony Weiner's, um, mm. what was it, uh, his, his 21, sentence? Yeah, 21, 21 months. months. Yeah. Well, what's up there? <laughs> I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I think that somebody, uh, was a fault. You know, had to take the fall. I th- think Anthony Weiner did. Everybody wants a big fish to fry. He's kind of a big fish. Uh, the newspapers were calling it Anthony Weiner does, is going to do hard time. And I don't know how, so I used that headline. I got railed a little bit about that because there were like 21 months for what he did is not hard time. And I, I agree with that. I just pulled the headline off of the New York Post. I forget who it was, Newsweek, New York Post. I forget who it was. But I agree, 21 months isn't enough. Um, but uh, he's probably going to take some information with him to the grave. Yeah. Uh, to save uh, to, to save bigger fish. Yeah. And, by the way, whatever he's getting 21 months for is probably just the tip of the iceberg. That's only what they want and allowed us to know, by the way. I agree with that. And yeah. your observations are pretty, uh, pretty accurate, I believe. 
and, and we, we see this this mess of this this pedo gate pizza gate whatever you want to call it yeah. the anthony weiner overlap um huma abedin all of this mm-hmm. junk that we're seeing man well, what a what a spiritual moral bankruptcy mm. situation we're in but um the, the political ramifications here the political aspects of this are, are very interesting as well um yeah i just i, I don't know i mean i but but you're but you're ahead of the curve, I think, on uh, on your reporting on the uh, child trafficking, which I think is at the heart of everything. Why isn't that being reported more? I mean, when you take a child from a family that may or may not be dressing the child the way somebody thinks or whatever, but put them into a home where they're being sexually molested and sometimes end up dying. I mean. Why is that? Why are people not outraged? Yeah, and they get money for it. And guess where that federal funding comes from? That goes to the states for taking these children out of loving homes. It comes from the Social Security fund. We really? all pay for that. Oh yes, the Social Security fund force it goes from there to. That's what the federal government takes from that fund to give to the individual states whenever they take the children out to pay them. It, they're called bonuses. Wow. You know, I, which, uh, is, which is pretty funny because that, that, that fund is about bankrupt. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. They must, they must be printing money for that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people wonder where did the Social Security fund go? It's not paying for people who are getting old because it should be way overfunded, but it's not. And we're running out of money because they're stealing our children and and selling them. Right. You know, I have a I have a friend um who his sister had to deal with with the child protective services and they they took the kids away for I don't know, half a year and the both children get a social security check. Well, after she got the kids back, the the CPS continued to take the social security check, even though she had the kids back for another six months. And the remark that I was was told to me second or third hand was that that's how uh, you know these people are able to continue to to cash their paychecks is by you know basically schemes like this where where they not only take the children away. But they continue to take the children's social security checks months, even years sometimes after they are returned, if they are returned at all. And I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting, the part where, uh, they basically admitted that, you know, how else, how else are they supposed to, to get paid, um, you know, if they don't do that? And, and, uh, what stuck out to me with that statement was, you know, well, what about the children? Why are they not, uh, why isn't the comment, well, how is, the, how is the children supposed to be taken care for? Uh, that wasn't the issue. The issue was, you know, this no. is what's going to keep our organization going. And there are thousands of videos and cases that you can find online that, and, and you guys have done a great job, uh, showcasing a few of them yourself where people are being, uh, you know, just wronged completely. And there's no real legal recourse to take, um, in order to, to fight these people and to, to try to restore, you know, these family unit, these family units. And it's so sad when you see, um, you know, as we do so often, uh, you know, a lot of inner city kids and, and other, uh, you know, children who are abused and in terrible situations that are left there even after child services is called six, seven, eight, nine times. Yet, you know, a, a good family uh, or, or good parents, you know, have a mistake or uh, 
get child protective services called for this reason or that reason, and then then the children are just whisked whisked away without any proper investigation. It's almost like yeah. a, a witch hunt in some cases, and yeah. um, it's very troubling to see the way that they, the child protective services, and the agencies that protect them are allowed to operate in this country. Uh, it kind of goes against everything that the Constitution stands for in many cases. Yeah. Yeah, well, CPS doesn't answer to anyone. I mean, they are just running rampant and really don't have anyone to answer to. They they take, uh, I mean, I just get very frustrated whenever I talk about it. I get really upset about that. And then we have people on our show who have been in the foster system and actually tell firsthand things that happened to them. Mm-hmm. And those, when we get off, uh, when we stop recording with them, I just, I sob all night long. It's, it's heartbreaking the things that these kids endure. And then they grow up and they want to be such good parents, but now that they're in the system, they get targeted. Yeah, they get and targeted. their kids get taken away from them and their kids go through the same thing that they went through. It's, it's really heartbreaking. Can you confirm something for me? Now, I know this is taking place in the UK. Whatever the equivalent of CPS over there is in some Western European countries, but here in the United States, uh, depending on your, I, I don't, I, if it's not present now, it will be. If you are anti-homosexual, um, you're going to be put at the back of the list for accepting foster children or children. Does that sound familiar? Uh- I, I I haven't heard that yet. I haven't heard that yet either. I know the vetting process right now is um, not very good because they uh, don't really do a good background check, and that's the reason pedophiles end up with children mm-hmm. many times as and their foster parents. But I I think I know you know where you're alluding to, and and to be honest with you, what we're going to start seeing, I think, in this country and around the world is. Christians are going to start getting targeted, and why do I think that? It's because it's biblical. That's why I think that. And it's <laughs> exactly. already happening. It it's is. Already it was happening, happening bad yeah. with the Obama administration, but it's already happening. Yeah, boy, so. we we could talk to you for another three hours if we had the time. Where our program is coming to a close, but um, I know that you got a, a community guideline strike on YouTube for airing uh, an analysis of a comet ping pong or a. Uh, heavy yep. breathing. Uh, what was that? It was uh, the. Oh, you yes. know. Let Jim yeah. tell you this one. He loves to tell this story. Yeah, it was a video called uh, "I Know Love" or "Me Know Love." I right. forget. But it's a, a performer that uh, performs at uh, Comet Ping Pong, and they have a video out that has a lot of sexual and uh, connotations and pedophilia connotations. This is just disgusting video. There's no redeeming value to it at all. So I. I did, I did a video reviewing it. That's all I did, just reviewing it. And this was six months ago. It was in December. And for some reason, uh, last week or the week before, they gave me a community strike and said I was bullying. I was bullying because I reviewed huh. this video. And I said it was, you know, and I, and I was like real calm during the interview. I mean, as I'm reviewing it, it was real calm. And I just, Basically, just explain what was in the video. Well, wow. they re- they 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 removed the video. They gave me a community strike, and um, 
took away our right to but do they, live recording. But they kept they kept the video that I reviewed up, and it was getting ads. Jim, it's well, so I so go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't mean to interrupt you. We only got about forty seconds oh, left. Oh man! Okay. But I've seen I've seen cases just like what you mentioned, where somebody will take a CNN article, sit down and just read the CNN article word for word, not add any of their own commentary or opinions, and have the same thing happen to them. And that just shows you the level of hypocrisy that we're dealing with on a number of these, you know, social media and interactive websites. And when you talk about being targeted, you know, what better way to prove that you are being targeted oh, than to yeah. see something like that happen? Uh, folks, yeah. our guests, Jim and Angie. You guys are great, man. You really are. Thanks, yes. Thank you uh, for having us on. Thank you. By the way, just real quick, we won, though. We don't have that strike anymore, and that's Beautiful. because of our subscribers. Thank you, guys. That's great. And see, stick to, <laughs> we need to stick together, Jim and Angie. Victorus Libertas. I said it right that time. You did. It was awesome. Thanks, right. guys. And <laughs> thank, thank you, you so all. much. Bye. Thank right. you. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. Please, in your hearts, when you hit your knees tonight, pray. Pray like never before. Pray for this country. Pray for the victims, not just of the carnage in Las Vegas, but pray for the victims everywhere. Seriously. I wonder how many people died in Chicago this weekend from gun sh- gun violence. Interestingly, that stat's not on Dredge this Monday. Yeah. Folks, uh, till tomorrow, God bless you, and uh, God bless the United States.